a world filled with fast-paced living and constant demands on the aging body, it's easy to forget some of the simplest yet most essential elements of our well-being, hydration and nutrients. As you know, when I'm not in the studio recording a podcast or in the gym or out in the scrub hunting, putting rounds downrange, I'm somewhere in the world on a security gig, putting in the hard yards, ending up on TikTok. So legends that get some, keep me advancing forward, Jocko Fuel Supplements. More specifically, I've been smashing the Jocko Hydrate Sachets, which helps me replenish my electrolytes and other critical vitamins while boosting energy and supporting recovery. Also, just like my kids, my appetite for veggies goes as far as hot chips from the kernel. However, every morning I'll mix a scoop of Jocko Greens, Jocko Creatine into water, which helps me supplement my lack of and delivers all the nutrients for better gut health, immune support, cognitive function, and physical performance. And not to mention, tastes bloody good. So head over to www.getsome.com.au and use the code Zero Limits all in caps for a discount. I'll leave you with this for the day. Hard work, clean fuel, stronger, faster, smarter, better. Let's go. It's time for the Zero Limits Podcast, hosted by Australian veterans. Chatting with high-charging humans with hectic stories from around the world. We'll give you the motivation to take on whatever life throws at you and the kick to complete any goal you set your mind to. Let's go. All right, listeners, on today's Zero Limits podcast, we have a special guest here in Australia. We probably could have caught up for a face-to-face, but I was you know, probably stupid enough not to even ask a question where he lives, which is <laughs> stupid of me. But anyway, it's uh, Damien Tomlinson, mate. He is an actor, author. Uh, he's an athlete, he's a speaker, fuck, there's nothing this bloke doesn't do right now, and I was actually just looking at his golfing stats, he's number 88 in the world, at currently, currently, this is the current to date ranking. Damien, welcome to show, mate, how are you? Thanks for having us, man, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm still blowing up about being 88, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and yeah, I was just looking at it, like, I'm like, fuck, you're Pretty good because I'm pretty. I, I try and play golf once a week, and I'm pretty shit. I'm pretty shit. <laughs> uh, I don't know. And it was. It's a bit of a leveler for me, you know. Like I found that, you know, I find in some of the challenges with being a double amputee are a bit different than the sort of standard ones you'd face. And I mean, one of mine was sort of making sure that I find something where I can stay active. And part of it was, and it, it just came from playing with my old man. My old man. Except obviously they've been through heaps. Like yeah. when I get it, you know, you don't want to get the phone call that they got that your kid is, you know, you you may, he's most likely going to be a triple amputee if he survives. You know, like bearing a kid, something no parent should have to do. And um, I was like, you know, I was so I started wanting to put this time forward towards him and play like each Friday afternoon. I would drive up to the Central Coast where where he where he lives. You know, I grew up at Terrigal and um. We'd play, we'd play golf for Friday other. Yeah. And we'd just play nine holes. And then it sort of got to the stage where I kind of liked doing it because I could put my phone away, social media disappeared. Yeah. It was just that time to sort of, you know, really chew the fat and focus on what was happening. He's always been a really good golfer. So it was sort of like I kind of liked watching something where dad would just beat me. 
But it was funny, like by the end of it, because I'm wildly competitive as well. <laughs> I think first time I beat him, he hasn't beaten me since. <laughs> and then he ended up, oh, I've got to get a hip replaced. And he's got excuses and reasons. And now there's oh, young people hit the ball further. And I'm like, Dad, look, look at the stats. I'm not young. <laughs> like, but yeah, and I've been, I've been pretty, I've been really lucky. I think when I was on the Central Coast when I was young, I didn't sort of. I don't really think I had that. I didn't really find a place inspiring to do what I wanted to do. I'd have focused on probably the wrong things in sort of year 11 and 12 at high school. Yeah. I was a bit more interested in, um, like, I guess, the social status and doing that. Yeah, girls. You could do one. <laughs> yeah, that's essentially it. Um, like, I guess when the, I don't know, it's sort of, I don't know how to say it in a politically correct sense. No, but, mate, um, it's all good. We're not politically correct on the east. Yeah, it's all good. Like, well, yeah, when some of the yeah, – whatever. So I got to this stage <laughs> where I was sort of like – I'd left school. I hadn't got marks. I wanted to sort of study at uni, but – and like I'd still – realistically, that's probably the one thing I look back and I wonder what – you know, because I've had such a really good run of cool shit happening – you don't want to. I'd, I rarely would look back and go, "What happened if I didn't lose my legs?" Yeah, because so much has happened after it, and so much great stuff has happened after it. You know, and I really, I'm really happy with the position I'm in now. Yeah, now, that's sort of the one that I would like. If I got to have a look at a movie that was me doing what I would do the other way, I'd go, "What would it have been like had I gone down that path?" Because there's personality traits that I've got that just make me wonder. You know, what sort of leader would I have been had I got into one of those sort of positions? Like how, you know, if I was running a company, what type of company would it be mm. like to satisfy the ADD that just drives me most of the time? <laughs> like we've crossed with this wild paranoia, which really suited the army, you know, like it's yeah, yeah. So um but but yeah, and ended up, you know, finding that I, I think. It was the good bit was when I was working in a like literally like a chicken factory in Barrera, just going, I've got to pay bills, you know, stuff's stuff's got to work. I met this really cool group of guys who were totally different to the guys I was like in high school with. They everyone, everyone, like you'd sort of you would gene each other up to go to the gym. Yeah. You, know, you wanted yeah, to go yeah. to the gym to get stronger and get healthier and then still party like maniacs on the weekend. And then that was sort of the culture had sort of shifted a bit until, and then when I told them I was joining the army, they were all so supportive of it that they were like, right, they were the ones that were telling me to stop. You know what I mean? You'd get yeah, to like yeah. maybe 10 o'clock and they're like, you've got to calm down because you've got to train tomorrow type <laughs> thing. And then, which was, just, it was really cool, a cool shift and one that I needed before I left and joined. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's a, it was a, just such a, I found it inspiring to be going and doing something bigger than being on the central coast and the little bubble that's sort of here. You know what I mean? And it was like, I hadn't really traveled that much. I think I'd been to like the barrier reef. I'd been maybe to Canberra. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't yeah. done much. And then first year in the army, I think I trained in nearly every state in Australia. Yeah. And it just you know going I mean? back to like your, your childhood and uh, brothers, sisters, I've got a sister and we're chalk and cheese. We're like, yeah, right. Yeah, we're the absolute opposite person in every, in just about every way. Um, 
but yeah, she she's great. Like I love, I love my big sister. She's awesome. Yeah. But I never we never really like gelled in that. I think I'm a bit there's a bit more wild in me. Like I see it in my my two kids now. I've got two kids and the daughter, <laughs> my daughter's like me. She's a maniac. She's just always full on and you can't tell her anything. She like she's four and she already knows more stuff than me, which is great. And then you've got my boy who's the polar opposite of that. He's yeah. just so chill. He's just happy to sit back and just yeah, we're just doing what we're doing. <laughs> like he's uh, he's more like she was, and it's interesting to sort of see that. But yeah, she was um she was great, but she took the conventional path of you know I'll do the right thing, I'll listen to mum and dad, I'll go to university, you know, you know that's the way that I'll you'll do things, mm. you'll get married, have yeah, two point yeah. three children, and move forward. And I'm just like, oh, I'd rather take that risk and kind of see where I land. Yeah. It, it was almost a boy thing as well at that, in, in that era, I think, you know, growing up in the nineties, it was just a different, a different breed of boy. I reckon to what, obviously what it is these days, cause we didn't have the freedom of information or telephone or mobile phones and internet. We went out and explored. That's all we did. We jumped in yeah. a pushies with the boys and just disappear. And you just want to find purpose within something. You yeah, find I mean, something you're like, fuck it, let's do it. You know yeah, what I mean? like, yeah. Right, cool. Yeah, we'll work it out when we get there, type thing. Yeah, I mean that was <laughs> that was a big bit of it, and like the access access to information is just crazy these days. Oh man, it's at your fingertips. You know I mean? Literally, I was, like, as as I said before, we jumped on live, man. I'm jumping on the internet, just seeing your face everywhere, movies, <laughs> <laughs> fucking speaking, and yeah, hanging out with Prince Harry. Yeah, he's he's a he's a ball like this. He's a legend. <laughs> So, like I, I think you know of all of all the things, right? So I I met him at the 2014 Invictus Games, and like you meet him, you do the the whole oh, you know we've got to do the formal. Here's our mm. handshake, and me and my dad. All right, so I took the old man over there, yeah, and we is <laughs> we'd been to this Indian place when we were young. He would always put Tabasco sauce on the nachos. <laughs> Right, and it was too hot for me as a kid. I mean, it's only like sort of video, yeah, yeah. But as a kid, you're just like, it's burning my face off. This is horrific. So we went to this Indian restaurant the night before we met Harry the first time, and we I ordered this like vindaloo, and it was at a really quality joint because we're in like the middle of London in the sort of financial district of London, and this I ordered it hot. And I was like, make it like hot, hot, not <laughs> not us hot, like make yeah. it hot. Because I thought this will this will teach him a lesson. So we both like, and both of us are just powering through this Vindaloo, just using Chardonnay as a thing to put out the fire. And like it's so we both like carried each other home, essentially. We were just wrecked. And I remember the first time we met Harry, we were both like, both still a bit. Yeah, Dusty, right. <laughs> or, you know, and there's a photo, you know, hey, you know, this is dad and stuff like that. And everyone stands on their line and we all go through and do the thing. But then the thing that sort of got me was you kind of look and go, okay, this is one of those things that he has to do. He mm. meets the team and does that. But then when we're at the, like, the final day, they put on, like, they had, like, the Foo Fighters. Yeah, right. Like, it's oh, it's not like it was a a small thing, but they had James Blunt playing through it and we're having beers at the end of it me him and a guy called dave henson who's a double amputee from the uk and he's like 
Do you think that James Blunt, like, did he were worried about this? Was he going to flatten it a bit? Like, did it have a low point in the middle? Like, my head was just blown off by the fact that he cares about it that much that, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm the ambassador of it. Yeah. He's literally having beers with the guys afterwards talking about what the run sheet was like and was it perfect. Yeah, right. But thing, which just as, like, you know, it's the little things like that. Yeah. That someone who's yeah, heard exactly. that the fact that put on a massive production. It's like the patron genuinely cares and you're like, bro, you had the Foo Fighters? Like it was a- That's pretty cool. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, 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 you did well, mate. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Fuck's not what you know. It's who you know, isn't it? Foo Fighters. Imagine having them in your back pocket. Yeah, and Dave Bro tells the story. Oh, I got called by a guy. Oh, it's Harry. Harry, Harry who? Oh, you know, Prince Harry. We're doing this thing for soldiers, and he goes in straight away. We booked a plane. Oh, you're like, it's just, yeah, it's right. just mental. Like, That's insane. Just back to your uh, family life, is there any previous history or, fa- you know, uh, in, in your family within the military or cops or anything like that? Yeah, yeah so my um, my granddad on both sides so there's a it's a pretty crazy story because mum used to always have a photo of my pop next to her computer which is where i saw the special forces direct recruiting scheme like page for the first time yep and i remember i used to watch docos about you know like it was it was a big thing because iraq won i think it just finished that's sort of early 2000s and i was looking you know at the, the picture of him, I was really proud and stuff like that. But then I was a bit, like, what have I done besides just, you know, be a bit of a good times boy? Maybe it's time to, like, knuckle in and do something. Mm. You know what I mean? And he was sort of one of the, like, looking at that picture, and I've still got a copy of it. Like, it's it still sits with me that there was that sort of moment. It was when the penny dropped that I had to sort of do something different. I was like, I've got to have a challenge, you know, and I hated where I was working at the time, all these different places where you're sort of working under someone that there's no way of getting above. Yeah, exactly. They are, you know. So I was like, you got to pick something that they just can't do. And the special forces to me was it. So I was like, all right, I'm pretty, like, I think it's best to approach, especially difficult situations with confidence that just has you stay out of your own way. Yeah. And it gets rid of doubt. It gets rid of all those different things and just goes, all right, I, I believe I can do it, so I'm just going to let myself do it as if I can. And then there's a – I think I still think there's a cognitive difference in the way that you approach problems when you do it like that. And for some reason that just was the way that I'd gone about it. And um, But my dad always reminds me that his father, my, my the one I call granddad, had joined the military – gone through all of the training side of things that he had to do and then literally was ready to deploy and then World War II finishes. Yeah. So it was like my the, on my mum's side, he had got he'd served five years of pretty intense deployments and then on dad's side, he was ready to go but never got the nod. So, yeah, yeah. You know, there's – um. He always reminds me of that because I'm like, oh, you know, he was a driving influence behind me joining the army, and he's like, remember that, yeah, pop, you know, he's got <laughs> 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 to give that back there, but yeah, right. So, w- what is the process? So, you uh, you're only young. How how old are you when you apply? Well, I applied first when I was 23. Yeah, so 2005 was it? 
2004. No, no, 2005 I got in. So I was 25 in 2005. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, it was all 24 and a half. Yeah. But, um, like, I'd applied and then the first time they knocked me back for it. So oh, I did, did they? aptitude and everything like that and they sort of when i sat down i didn't know what to do in the meeting so you sort of sit there and i'm sitting at what i think is attention <laughs> like i don't i don't even know i wish i had the tape of it that's what i really wish yeah that I had the tape of what i looked like because the guys looked at me and gone like yeah the aptitude score is good like everything you're just too immature i don't know whether you're the right fit for it I said, well, what do I have to do? And he's like, just come back in 12 months. And, like, I told everyone that I was, like, that was that was it. I've, I'd done it. I, I knew I, me, in my mind, I thought I was going to make it. I got home and they had, like, champagne flutes and a bottle of champagne on the bench and my family were there waiting for me to just tell them the good news. I had no idea that they were that confident oh, no. that I would get there. Yeah. And, and then I was so, like, that I was shattered in the fact that I'd sort of let them down in that way, yeah. you know, just out of the thing that had literally been the problem since I was 16 was just a lack of maturity, you know? So it was, yeah, it became, then it was like the quest, okay, cool, 12 months now, I definitely can't. I don't want to feel that again. I don't want anything to do with that feeling again. This time it's happening. Like I rang him two weeks later and was like, hey, how you going? You know, like, got told this I had to mature and I've been training him in this and that. And they go, oh, cool. How long did he say? And I'm like, oh, he said, um, he said 12 months. And they go, how long has it been? I'm like two weeks. So how long do I have? And they go, 11 and a half months. And I'm like, okay, all right, cool. I think I rang another two weeks later and they're like, look, stop ringing or that 12 months <laughs> is going to start again. Um, And yeah, I ended up, and I ended up getting, getting through to that stage yeah. to the, the direct recruiting scheme, which, uh, was you do t- time at Kapuka, basic like infantry training at, at Singleton. You do your infantry course, and then they had a, a setup for in Singleton at the Special Forces Training Center for an advanced course. Yeah, you got an extra two months where you had uh, team commanders who were team commanders, sergeants, and um, an officer who were all operators. Who were basically running through, running you through the gaps that would give you everything except for battalion time, which is something that when you get to the unit, I think is something that is still important. So they had the right type of people, they had the type of people that they wanted for the role, except like as you know, man, when you get to a battalion, it's of totally different, like different, yeah. in yeah. the training world. You know, there's heaps of different things that matter. And that was one thing that was a bit. It was a bit of an adjustment, you know, when you've been training the whole time, then all of a sudden you've passed your entry test and then you're at a battalion and you're sort of like you're Fuck. still going through your training cycle, yeah. but kind of like not knowing how everything works. Yeah, yeah. So just let's let's just uh, break it back down. I want to go back to Kapuka because, you, as you said, you are quite immature and then, uh, you know, going to Kapuka, it, I would say it changes you as a man. Obviously, Singo does that. But yeah. how did you go in Kapuka? Well, so by because of what happened like the 12 months before, I was like, I was in it as soon as we got, as soon as we were on the bus. It didn't matter what happened. Like, so I, at Kapuka, I was literally like the by the book rules guy <laughs> to the point where my sergeant 
at the time said, look at him. It's fucking Iceman. <laughs> and I, at that stage, hadn't watched, I think I'd seen Top Gun. Yeah. I didn't know that he was literally referring to me as the over-the-top rules dickhead. And, like, so I'm, oh, okay, Iceman. And then people were sort of saying it and stuff, and it started to, like, get its own sort of thing from from people saying it. I had no idea until we are at Singleton when they turned the movie on, and I see Val Kilmer's character in it, and I'm like, no. No. Like, all the guys are laughing at me thinking that I knew. I was just playing along with this hilarious joke. And I was like, oh, for God's sake, okay, well, that's it. So there was me and a guy um, whose dad served out out west. Um, he was he was an operator for for years. His brother was a clearance diver, um, James Callahan. He's a legend, man. Um, yeah, I know Jimmy well. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> me and him were like the rivals, and he yeah. was like the maverick side of it. So he was the cool, you know, I've been there before type thing, and then I was just this really intense yeah, the Iceman idiot. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, yeah, when we both got to, we'd done our time at Singleton and they used to call his dad 50 Cal. Yeah, yeah. So we all called him 50. Yeah. The instructors had no idea that that was based on what they called his dad. Yeah. So they would call him 50 Sen. <laughs> like he just was, he would get monstered by them and we all liked him. Like that was the, that was the thing, but he still copped heaps for it. And then we get to like, by the time we both passed, like the Singleton course, which the Singleton course, it was good. It was hard, and it was hard in a good way. Like you'd learn a lot about pushing yourself to the next level. You mm. know what I mean? Like there's things that you do on that infantry course that I think really separate the who wants to be here from who exactly does type thing. You know, I mean, it's it's like. It's designed to be completely different to anything else you'll go through. You know, I mean, I think, and I think that's where the main physical sort of thing comes into it. You do a little pack march at Kapuka, and, you know, you've obviously got to play the game to an extent, but Singleton's that time where it really starts to get like it's the a, a truer army grind. Yeah, yeah. And you, 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 you see the difference between a lot of the soldiers in, in your platoon as well. You know, the, the weak ones, you know, the strong ones. Yeah. The ones in the middle. Yeah, and then the like guys who are like strong as oxes but just don't have big hearts. You know what I mean? Like that will then once it gets really, really hard, will sort of crumble yeah. in that yeah. sort of way. Like and it, it, it sort of rejigs your mind on who the guys, like the concept of hard as, you know, what you think is a hard man, you know, showing the, like just zero pain, you know. Resilience. Yeah, that yep. resilience. Just the like, it, you can't, you can't sigh. You can't. There's nothing that can happen. And I still, it's weird. Like I, if if my missus is getting up doing something, like, and I love her like no one else in the world. But if she sighs doing it, I'm just like, oh my god. We're, like, I mean, it's still ingrained yeah. in my system to go. We're all going to get in shit for this. Stop. Yeah, <laughs> like, don't, like the, no, no, you can't show any sign of weakness. There's yeah. no sign. Like, I think that's it's a, <laughs> it's a good it's a good experience, but like it, it's still it's still pretty wild with how things work on the outside world. But, but getting back to the thing with fifty, we had um we got this form right, 
we just marched into the special forces training thing. And during a march in, because we hadn't been to a battalion, you don't mm. know, we've filled out a thousand forms, right? There's all these different things that you got to do. And I remember sitting there, I was with Scotty Evanette, yeah. Siri, yeah. Um, Scott Steer, who runs um, the Veterans Grappling. Yeah. And we're hanging out and 50's there and they're like, look, and it's got like you've got to, it's the marching form that you, you, that you do. And it's got so everyone, you know, nickname. And Steery wrote Steery, Evo's written something different, 50's written 50. And I've got like Damien on my form and I remember Steery like looking at me going, dude, you've got to write Iceman. Like, <laughs> I don't know whether I can. And he goes, man, Cantrell, he's written Axe. He's written here. you got to. I remember going, oh, yeah, okay, because it's under like, you know, your other other names or whatever, and then you've got your name. I, was, I think I, I don't remember we're all standing in our platoon. This guy walks out. I don't, I don't know whether he's still serving, so I don't know whether he can say his name. And yeah. you just go, who the fuck is Iceman? Like, and you could just see everyone just go, oh, no. Like these eyes sort of look, and then like, I'm just like, oh my God. And I sort of look, I remember looking across at Steery and everyone had their head down and they go, who is it? Oh, fuck. So I kind of like, you know, prove or do whatever. Yeah. And he's like, everything for the next four weeks. Oh, we have to do this tar ice, man. Yeah, <laughs> you can do that. Like, I just got, I got monstered. But that's awesome. It's grown to the point where, like, because it was a thing that happened at Kapuka. Mm. Like, it was about my attitude when I first joined. And then by the time I got to the unit, I remember the first time I walked into the mess, I heard someone yell, the Iceman. <laughs> and I learned to think you know no one and you've just got all these like massive war dogs all sitting in the mess and that like I remember just going, wow. And like all of a sudden the, the guys around us are like, shit, man, because like I didn't know. Yeah what the importance was of the form. And that was that was literally my introduction to <laughs> regimental life. I was hearing that. And it wasn't and no matter what you did, it was it was gonna follow you. Yeah, I remember we hotel and I had this dude and he was pretty big too. Walked up and goes, So I heard you gave yourself the nickname of the Iceman. And I've gone, well know what you're talking like I sort of thought I've mm. now fight this guy. Like I literally have to. If yeah. you're gonna say that where we've got to be on so that everyone knows I'm not gonna sit back down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then um like a couple of guys kind of got in the middle of this, like not in the middle of the scuffle, but kind of go, Oh, calm down. And a couple of my boys stood up and just said, Look, mate, it's something that had happened at Kapuka. It was written down as a joke. And now you guys just don't know what you're talking about. What we didn't know was that was a Bravo company function. <laughs> that was happening at Coogee Bay at the same time that our group of lids who were just oh, still finishing no. our Rio were in there. Like nothing, we everyone ended up sort of gelling and getting along well, but it was just one of those that we had that sort of hit. I remember being on selection as well and like I was doing something, we were dirty, we'd been into it for like two weeks or whatever and a dude was going, ah, Ah, the ice man, here he is. <laughs> and, you know, and they start to get in your ear that way. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, once I, I knew it was going to haunt me and I had someone like give me the best advice that I never listened to 
and just going, man, you've just got to accept the fact now that you are the Iceman. I wore a leather jacket and a singlet to a function that we had. And someone said to me, do you really think you have the body to pull that look off? And for two years, I was the fat commander. <laughs> okay, that's literally what he got. And he goes, so you just got to embrace it. You are yeah, exactly. the Iceman, just live with it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's... I, could, I couldn't handle it. I was still too, had too big a chip off my shoulder. And it, but it was, yeah, turned out it was the best advice I could have got. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so you, you uh, so from obviously from Singer, you get uh, shipped down to Holsworthy. Uh, you do your selection and start your reinforcement cycle. How'd you, how'd you find all that reinforcement cycle? Obviously, stepping it up a notch from you know, basic inf- infantry tactics that you learned at Singo to special forces tactics. Like heaps of the, like uh, it's strange. Like, you know, the difference between when you're at Kapuka, you do stuff and you're like, oh, okay, cool. This is how it works. And then you get to Singleton. You're like, fuck, you, it's different. You get a yeah. who just goes, just forget everything you learned there. Cause this is how it's going to happen. Yeah. You can relearn it now. There was a lot of that type of stuff, you know, but it was more, you know, the, the I think the bigger picture stuff is the singlet, making sure you're doing stuff in a uniform way and all of these type of things, whereas then when you're doing your selection course, it then becomes about being able to manage yourself. Mm. You know, like you've gone from being, you know, sort of micromanaged the whole way to going, well, now you're here. We expect you to keep that standard by yourself. Yeah. Well, it's not like a group training thing. You've got to get to the level that belongs on this course. Which and I think that was part of the gap with, you know, at a at a battalion. I think you get that first twelve months or whatever to learn that you're managing yourself in the center of sort of what's happening around you, type thing. Yeah. Whereas yeah. When you run straight on your Rio, you can't, and you're still very, you're on your, you know, on the back foot a little bit for whoever's going to yell at you and tell you you're doing the wrong thing or what have you. So um, but it was really cool, like the. It was just a consistent flow of new things. Yeah. New things and new things and, you know, being tired and being hungry and all of it. Like, I mean, well, you get fed well unless, like, when you're on a course when everything's really strict with stuff. And we just, we back-to-backed for, God, so long. I think we had, like, nearly four months straight of yeah, just right. doing course, 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 night off, course, 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 course type thing and it was i mean it was cool but like you were getting to do the things that you know you were getting to so many different things already you were only like 14 months into your career and you're looking around at the stuff that most people are getting to do and you're you know you're doing roping things going off the the fire is tower you're doing all of these different bits that you know preparing to do your your para course and mm. stuff like that it was just really it's a really cool shift into it. But I think the thing that I wasn't ready for was one, the attitude that I needed to have when I was there was just kind of turn up with yourself and find that thing. You know, I oh, I feel like I felt like I had to prove myself too much. You know what I mean? Which yeah, then yeah. up as a, you know what I mean? You're kind of trying to chest out too much. It's like just stay there and, you know when it happens, it happens type thing. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was kind of an odd experience. Like looking back at it, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And it yeah. took a while for the chip to come off my shoulder. Especially for the age as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, I mean, you, that's see, that's you, another thing. You I, understand it with age, as you said, we, you know, we talked about earlier. Yeah. I mean, like I, we had this phone call yesterday. My, um, my brother-in-law is, he's 25. He's like on the, the Nutrigrain Ironman series thing. And I was literally looking at him, you know, and I remember going to his 21st a couple of years back yeah. and just looking at him and we were talking about it. And I was like, man, by the time I was that old, I was already wearing a beret getting ready to yeah. go and do stuff. And it was only, it's only, it's only been recently where I sort of think, geez, it's like, it's wild. Yeah. You know I mean? like, yeah, mate, it is. It is. Just, just hectic. But I mean, and I think it, it sort of became, we went through like the processes that you go through. And one of the other things getting back to that, that I wasn't ready for was getting buried. And when you finished all of your Rio cycle, isn't the end of your training, mm. you know, at, at any special forces unit, you're expected to just consistently upskill, you know, like the phrase, like remain employable. Sort of it. So it's always like a recon course, a sniper course, a yep, border yep. course. There's always just something different than you can do. You know, you're never sort of laying stagnant, going, "Okay, cool, I'm I'm an operator now." That's just what I do. They're like, "Okay, cool." Now there's this little path that you can negotiate and lead out, and it all goes in a different sort of direction. Which yeah. was a lot, I think, for someone who was that young. You know, you kind of like, haven't we just got off? doing back-to-back courses. But, I mean, courses when you're qualified are obviously different than ones when you of course, yeah. you haven't got your beret. Yeah, so I remember our – God, we started our amphibious course in Melbourne on the 4th of June, the day after my birthday, and it was just fucked up sorts of cold. <laughs> like, it was messed up. And, they like, we you do things like – I remember doing a PT session one morning through like the Cerberus mud pit thing that they've got. The Navy couldn't use it because it was too wet, but they're like, you guys, you'll be fine. So we crew running through this thing. And then by the time everyone's got steam coming yeah. off their cams, like holding the, you know, the fake rifle thing. And they're like, oh, you look warm enough into the water. And like it was the, t- the water was so cold once you jumped off the thing into it, which it was a decent drop into it as it was. <laughs> But, like, it was you instantly wanted to suck air in, <gasps> that type of thing. And I remember people, like, yelling at you off the wharf, control your breathing, sort it out, like, do, do all of those type of things. And then you'd have it randomly. You'd just mid, mid-lesson mid about something you're supposed to be learning about after having the four hours gift of sleep that you mm. got. You just randomly have to run and then swim out to some different thing. And, like, yeah, now we've got to rescue some, like, yeah, it was just, it was tiring, and yeah, every every time I think of Melbourne, when I think of that side of it, I just think about, oh Jesus Christ, it's just cold. <laughs> feels cold thinking about it. Like Jesus, <laughs> fuck this. Yeah, right. Like I mean, it it was it's kind of cool because you you find like this different level within yourself. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, and I think everyone's got it. Like, it's not. It's not unique to any one person or type of person in particular. You know, you just kind of got to be willing to open the door, you know, which is a hard step because most of the time it hurts. It's it's uncomfortable. It's different. But, like, for me, this feeling of satisfaction after having done it is so much 
better than just what the imagination of what it would be like is. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it's, but I still never got guys who would do the entire commando reinforcement sergeant selection and then want to go to Perth. Yeah, fuck a few, did it? Oh, yeah, I'm, but I'm just like. Doing it again? Yeah, type thing, yeah. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> isn't it, wasn't it enough? That's it, yeah. Like I, yeah. And their selection is fucking <laughs> a lot different. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the the patrol course is just we had a guy who came back, um, he was actually in that book. He's in The Amazing SAS was a book that was yep. out in two thousand and like five, six. Mm. And he was one of the guys who was interviewed in the first little bit of it. And he said his patrol course, he did everything right, but someone just didn't like him. So every time they'd see him, they would just it was like the shave your sideburns. Daryl Strawberry thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're not wearing enough cam cream. And he said by the end of it, you couldn't even see the whites in his eyes, like behind his ears, his whole head was just covered in cam cream. And it was like they were having a joke at him or something. But you can't do anything. You've got to just put more cam cream Exactly. On. So it was like, yeah. I mean, yeah, but hearing about some of the stuff that happens on the patrol course and especially at the end of it. Yeah. He just like... You got to want it. Um. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, just backing it up a little bit, you did spend a tiny bit of time uh, across the road at the third battalion because this is where we we bump shoulders a couple of times. Obviously, at the mess, yeah. and I become good friends with uh, uh, Fifty Cow Jimmy Jimmy fucking Callahan James Callahan, and obviously hung out with Evo a fair bit uh, when he was cruising around in his blue little. Um, Lotus Elise. Oh Lisa, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I tried to. He had the little like the the Cooper before it. Yeah, thing. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So he. So this is the weird thing. When we were growing up, I went to school with his sister. Yeah, gotcha. So All we right. joined. She was the year below me. Like she's best friends with like my now like fiance wife next year. Yeah, um, right. And I'd always known Scotty. But he was fine. And we used to go to the same gym. Yeah. And I remember yeah. sort of saying, and he said something about it. And we were talking, and he's like, Oh, yeah, I'm joining the army. I said, Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. And he says, I'm joining the army as well. I had a PTI that was doing stuff. And he goes, But not, not just like army. It's kind of like a different bit. And I'm like, This would be really random if we both. Same one. Up. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, we both rock up on the day that the bus is picking us up from Newey. And there's Scotty. Yeah, like, right. Like, yeah. yeah. It's cool. But yeah, so the thing with I don't usually go into this story. Yeah. So, and I was try, I always try and avoid it because um generally I try to be more polished than this guy. But <laughs> we hadn't been out in like a while. Mm. It'd been a while. And um like I could just I just remembered we we're having a like we'd run three or four courses back to back. And the last one was our urban assault course in Melbourne. And that it was our course was awesome. Like it like room combat and the things that you're learning and the things that you're doing are just like it really suited the way that my mind works. Yep, yep. You've always got to have every areas covered. You get like the way that your gear is structured, everything through to like methods of entry and all of this. Like it just it's fun. Like that's the one that like if you're gonna pick one to do, that's probably that was the 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 cream. I had such a good time like doing that course. And then the last night they're like, all right, you guys can go out, but we're warning you, 
Don't fuck up. Do not be late back. Like, <laughs> do not fuck up. And we're like, oh, okay, you know, sweet. Yeah. So everyone, it was weird because we were like, oh, we'll all go to different places. And then, you know, you hang out with your little clicker guys, mm. or whatever. We all end up at the same pub. And we got, I can't remember the entire night. Um, like I know that we did, we drank quite heavily. <laughs> I woke up at with, with to my phone ringing, and I had an alarm set in um in a a girl from Melbourne's house, <laughs> and I God I've never told this story. Before. This is awesome. And I remember like picking up the phone and just like it was one of them. It was Changi, and he's just like, mate. Where are you? And I'm like, I don't know. Oh, no. Gone, dude, fuck, you've got to get here. Like, they're literally asking where you are. And I'm like, don't worry, I'll be there in a minute. I hung up the phone. I looked at it. And we were, we were like five minutes from when the bus was supposed to leave. Mm. And I was like, I just remember I, was, I felt like sick. And then I'm, I'm just said to this girl, going, look, I need to get out to like leave it. And there's barracks there. She goes, I don't know where that is. I'm like, I, I don't even know. Well, like, where are we? She said somewhere. I'm like, I don't, I don't know where that is. And like, I hadn't broken like character the whole time. Like, I think she thought I was part of some other elaborate lie that I'd created that night. And I, I, I had to level with her. I was yeah. like, look, all right. I, I work in the Australian Army, and at the moment we're doing a special forces. Blah 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 blah. blah. Like, we do, we've just done that course, and I need to get. Like, I need to. This has to happen now. And she's like, well, how? I don't even know how to get there. And I'm like, I don't even know. My- Look, if you get me to the city, I can get us there from there. Yeah. So we get into a car, we drive out. I think by the time I got there, I think I was 20, 25 minutes late maybe. I remember just sprinting across to where the hangers were, where all that gear was. And, like, they just pointed at one of the buses. I ran on the bus, literally ran there and sat there and was just like, oh, my God. And everyone's like, gone, dude. <laughs> I didn't know there was another guy but that had – he said he was asleep in his room nah. and they couldn't wake him up. Um, he had a better lie than me because everyone saw me just sprint across because I had all my gear on the buses. And um, remember, like, we're driving back and it's an 11-hour drive or whatever, which on a minibus is a long drive. And – Everyone like dudes are, dudes are crashing out on the bus, and I'm like taking hits because it was a big night. Mm. I'm like, well, I remember getting yelled at. If you fall asleep, everyone is awake for the rest of the trip. So I'm just sitting there, just trying to hold my eyes open, just hung over as sin, just like genuinely thinking my career was over. <laughs> Going like I'm done. Like I don't even yeah. know what I'm gonna do. And this is one of the last. It was the last course before we did. You only needed one insertion method, so para or amphib. Yep. This was the last course before we got our berets. And I remember getting back to Holzman, and even my boys, like everyone who I was mates with, were just like, man, we can handle the Iceman thing, but this could be too far. Like, you got to have your shit together, man. And I remember, like, just how bad it felt getting, like, the cold shoulder yeah. from there. And the next day, like, we get off the buses when we get there and this bloke walks up who, out of sheer irony, got in trouble for 
I think he was he was doing something dodgy. Like he had he was selling like ballistic plates to bikers <laughs> or something. Like it's mental. Like he got dishonorably discharged. But yeah, wow. whatever way it goes. Yeah. That bloke's walked out and just gone. He's called our names. We've stepped forward out of the line. And he just ripped two sheets of paper. He goes, that's your fucking course report. Turn around and walk back in the office. I was just like, this is it. All right. And the next day we're up in the mess and they're giving out the course reports and they call your name forward. Everyone mm. goes, get theirs. They review it. They sign it. And like, I'm sitting down at a table and there was one guy who I'm looking at and his eyes are literally welling up. And I'm like, are you all right, bro? And he he just pointed at his thing and it had not yet confident. Nice. So he hadn't passed the course. Yeah. And I was like, this is not a good indication of what it's going to feel like. And I'd, so I'd prepared myself just to go up. I had my thing and I passed everything on the course. <laughs> so I signed the, like I signed the thing and I, like, I remember walking up to the guy. Yeah. And just saying, look, I'm pretty sure there's been a mistake. Like this, this is my course report. I don't know if it's a test, if it is, but whatever. There's the course report. I think you guys have got wrong. He's gone, no, nah, man, you passed the course. It's just not going to finish here. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay. So I signed it, put it down, and then um, we went down to an office like later where a captain just um, said, look, you guys are get your shit. You're going across the three-hour hour now. Yeah. And I remember going across there and just being like that fence was a long way away. From yeah. Where I, like, and I was in no way ready to be – at three area, it was a weird thing for battalion life. But I remember with the first, in the first week, we did like this. You remember when there used to be those, the old buildings, the yeah. old, we we're doing like the urban thing that they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're all just getting yelled at. Like, and it was weird going back to a stage where a corporal's yelling at you. But so I'm getting just torched by this guy. Because I kept doing something when I was going through a door, but there was part of the process that apparently wasn't the way it was taught. And I was just, it was just habit. I was sort of doing the thing. And he sits us all down and he starts yelling at everyone and doing whatever. And he's just like, does anyone have any experience in urban combat here? One dude, like, gives it the whole, you know, I've done the urban package in Townsville twice, Corporal. Kind of gives it that. And then I was like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, me. He goes, yeah, yeah, right, sport. What's yours? I said, oh, the Commando Urban Operations course. And he thought that I'd come straight from Singleton. Oh, yeah, right. He had no idea. Are you done your reinforcement cycle? Yeah, that I just got (laughs) moved off the Rio cycle. And then, um, yeah, he's just gone, what? And I sort of like just said, look, this happened. You know, I got sent back across here from there. And for the rest of the thing, he was asking me questions. Oh, yeah. Like we're doing to go, so does that does that sort of look right? And I'm like, yeah, man, whatever you say looks right, looks right. Like I just, just please don't yell at me again. I'm cool. <laughs> like I just, it was, yeah. So, and then we ended up at this little moment where, and it was by no, it wasn't me that did it either. Mm. I ended up um, having a chat with the other bloke who just goes, um, we've just done this. We played enemy for the guys down in 
um, Parker Panyu. Mm. So we went, we're down in Canberra playing enemy for them, and he come up and he just goes, "Mate, I rang Schema because it was he was at the level where, and I was doing the same thing, where I was like, you know, I know that the four years thing that you sign isn't really a legal document; it's more like a guideline if you want to get out for a mental health reason or something like yeah, that. Of course, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's a signature but not type thing, and you know that's sort of in the back of your mind when you're. Not every every person we asked about going back across the road was just like, yeah, 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 no worries. Oh yeah, I'll get right onto that for you, type thing. Like, yeah, no, you're in the it's in the yeah, pilot no, work, but the pilot no, babe works yeah. big. Yeah. So yeah, and then he just literally goes, gives me a call and goes, mate. So I got on no, sorry, we're on the bus. And he goes, So I just got off the phone with schema when we're driving back. And I said, okay, so which is for anyone who's listening, that's like the careers and military advisory. Like it's a special part of the military where they decide where everyone's mm. going to go on their pathway. And he goes, and they don't even know that we're at three RAR. I said, they what? And he's like, they had no idea. When I asked them why, saying that I joined the army for one reason, why am I not parading at four RAR? They said, you are. You're parading at Alpha Company at four RAR. Oh. And he goes, I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm at Bravo Company at 3RAR. And it turned out that our little punishment was just based on a handshake agreement yeah. between two blokes um, who I think, you know, one was like a career captain type guy who just decided he was going to take it across the knuckles if something come back. Fuck. Yeah, so that was it. Like a cup, like uh, three or four days later, yeah. we're back across the road. Yeah, right. Fine out. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first time that story. That's been. awesome, mate. That's really <laughs> fucking raw. Nice and raw. But yeah, so it was, and that was, and that was the sort of thing as well. You know, you, you get, got across there, but then everyone who, because it was probably, I think, four or five months, four months, maybe three or four months. I can't, I can't really remember the exact mm. amount of time, but everyone had grown so much. Of course that we came through with, you know, they were used to battalion life. They mm. had you know, your team. We, that was the instant thing I noticed when I went across there. Everyone, rather than it being the groups that we that had organically formed through yeah. our initial training, they now had tight teams of sort of the six people that they were spending all their time with and doing all their things. And then, you know, when you're coming across into a platoon kind of going you know, we've still got two courses to finish our Rio cycle, but you're technically in that platoon. You're sort of like, okay, we're, it took a while to find our feet through it. Yeah. So, and I remember we got the, we ended up getting the call at the end of um, 2006, it would have been, it would have been somewhere in 2006. And the like, <laughs> I remember us being up at the range and, so it's like, you know how sometimes there's those guys who know stuff? Yeah. Just somehow know yeah. stuff? Yeah. Like there were like whispers around that, man, something, maybe something. And I, so we're up just zeroing weapons on the range and it's someone's just said something and everyone started running back towards the mogs or I think it was mogs, it might have been. I think we just had rovers that had us all up there. Mm. Just our platoon, run back, get on, and we go back to the building. And then um, there was a whole heap of guys from Delta Company who just got back from, like, 
the rotation three to Afghanistan. Um, they were part of like there was that the twelve hour hit that they yeah, did and stuff. Yeah. yeah, like one of them was like ended up being the guy who was my future two I see sitting in the car next to me when I got hit. I can say his name, it's Tim Boyd. So yeah, it was Boydy. And he he literally lives three suburbs away now, which yeah, is right. just mental. Um but yeah, he was him and his crew of guys were the extra platoon that got added on and they've gone, look, we get we walk into this room and, and the captain at the time just goes, All right, uh, we've just been called away, we've got no notice to move. Uh, is there anyone in this room for any reason who can't do this job? They didn't even say what it was. And then obviously, you know, everyone's gotta be Okay. What is it? <laughs> and then, yeah, and then he's like, all right, so what's happening is we're flying up to Townsville now. Um, like literally we've got – I think we had, we had a day. So we flew up in the morning, but it's got flying up to Townsville tomorrow. Two platoons are going to go out and wait on a boat called Canimbla. Mm. The Canimbla is going to sit off the shore of Fiji. You're going to be the quick reaction force. So I just got – luckily I was – well, luckily I thought at the time – I'm with the guys who've just got back from the game. So they're all switched on at what they do. I can probably learn a bit here. We're cool. And they, the other guys have got to go and sit on this boat, which just didn't sound like fun. Um, and when we get up to Townsville, so and this is the first time I deployed anywhere, I didn't even take a book. I didn't take a book, a laptop. I had nothing, like literally nothing to keep me occupied. And I've got the worst ADD. Like it's, it's still an issue now. Like it's, I've got to manage it really intently. Every time I look at my daughter do something, yeah, that I know her doing it, I've got to remember that, like, don't be a dick, Damien, because you were that bad when you were young. Yeah, yeah, you probably still are now. And yeah, I like we get up there, and <laughs> oh my god, I remember the boss just going, "All right, boys, so there's been a change of plan. We're getting on the boat." I remember just thinking, okay, I, you know, we'd say, I think we'd stay the night in the barracks at Townsville and mm. you're sort of going, oh, okay, we're in the transit lines or whatever. This is home for the next. Yeah, however, yeah, yeah. Until we've got to jump out of a plane, put a put a Zodiac together and get on and get stuff done. And then like, no, we're, we're getting on the boat with everyone else. Okay. And that boat was wildly overloaded. Um just that, yeah, there was there was a lot of people on it, and it was um it was old man. Canimbla was built for nineteen thirty something. Yeah, yeah. Like it was yeah, and we were in the bottom troop accommodation, so I was like literally just slowly going insane on that trip. <laughs> it was so bad for me, but we had like. I don't know. It was just this weird pressure cooker. Like eventually, I couldn't sleep. Like I just there was there's like 110 men in a room that's got the ventilation of something that's literally like your household microwave has better ventilation <laughs> than that room had. Yeah, it just smelled like man. It was a thousand degrees of man smell, and just it wasn't enjoyable. But like I remember seeing this guy right, and where he cross each other in the like going through all the doors, mm. and then. I don't know, I was like looking at him and he had like longer hair, so you could tell he'd just come from somewhere else. And I was like, hey man, 
And like we sort of nodded a couple of times. And I, I once that just had to scratch the itch, it's like, hey, did you did you like play baseball or something on the central coast? And he goes, nah, man, I played cricket for Tookley. And I played first grade cricket when I was young. I played it from like sort of 15 through to, you know, the year before I left for the army. And he's like, yeah, Josh, you know, and I was like, oh, cool, man. Like, you know, like, yeah, I remember you wicket kept, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah. So and I remember I top scored the first time we played two. We were getting rolled. And yeah, I remember, I remember talking to him and just going, oh, you know, you know, a familiar face. That's kind of good in the fact that, like mentally, I was still falling apart on mm. that trip. I had a horrible time, but we're out on the the smokers deck. Was like the um, it was the sort of social area. Yeah, yeah, you know. And at that stage, like smoking was still a, like sort of accepted. Of course, yeah, yeah. People would do, you know, and I would, you know, you'd sort of go out there and have even people who didn't smoke would have a cigarette, and it was like everyone was doing something naughty. And then I remember being out there and just hearing this fucking bang. And then, like, it was just metal. And you're like, what the fuck? And then, like, seeing rotor blades fly up in the air. And then this guy says, there's no word of a lie, the most Hollywood thing I've ever heard. Like, you just hear Rufus yell, take cover! Yeah. Like, that. there's no shit. It's like... 45, 50 people out in this really small area all just sort of buckled buckled over. And then I remember I looked up and he was running up the stairs to the comms deck, like the communications deck. I ran up, chased him up. There were two or three other guys up there and we're like looking and he was reaching back holding fingers up. And I was like, I wonder what he's doing. So I run and I look sort of over the edge too and he's gone, we got three. And he was counting people up out of the water. Fuck. Like the thing is when you do like your Hewitt training, which is like the helicopter. Yeah, yeah. done it a thousand times. (laughs) They teach you how to sort of go down and get out of a chopper that's, you know, slowly spinning around. Down and narrow. Yeah, and you've got it like, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's a great course, but it gives you a bit of confidence that when you're doing it, it'll be okay. We were up there pretty quick and there was you couldn't see the chopper. Like you couldn't see any of it. Like it had just obviously disappeared, and then people are just popping up slowly. Where the like it was, it was mental, man. But like when we we're looking at it, we got to five, and I remember like just having this moment of wow. Or like all of a sudden, it was very real. Mm. Like you know, you're always wondering how you're gonna take the danger when the danger's there. And I was like, I know there was more than five people in that chopper. Like that is just, okay. You know, and just the the gravity sort of hits of what's happening. And um and I remember two of the two of them come up the other side. Everyone from that stage got locked down. So we all had to go down to like where our bed space was. And um and yeah, they did this uh like, it, I can't exactly, it's a bit hazy, but I remember comms got shut down for like 48 hours because they have to be able to of course. Um, notify family, the families. Mm. And um, like they never told us who or what. I know they, they got the pilot up to the deck and um, his name is Cap- Captain Mark Bingley. He uh, he died on the deck. Um, but, yeah, then we, and we had... Like two guys had literally gone, the 
got out of the chopper so deep underwater that they popped up on the other side. Fuck. Which and yeah, the the pilot was one of them, so they got him him up. But yeah, they never couldn't revive him. Um, but then I remember just sort of you sitting there and everyone's locked down. The phones were down, which were one of the only sort of bits of solace we could have. You call home, call your missus, and you know this is my little moment where I'm not on the ship. And I remember sitting down in this thing and they had it on the news, and um, they were explaining what had happened, and they were like, um, you know off Fiji, this, that. And then I saw Josh's face pop mm. up on the screen. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, really? Like, and I had this, you know when you get those eerie sensations? Yeah. The gut feelings that you just like, don't be right. Just don't be right about this. Be right about anything but this. Yeah. And then, yeah, I saw Josh's face pop up and I was just like, fuck, that's, that's it. Yeah, that was that was a real indescribable one, especially since you know days before it sort of nodded and you know chatting about yeah cricket, and we had this like as it as I've gone through and got like older, you notice different things that happen with your system. So I at Forrester's Beach, it'd be probably two weeks ago now. There's a there was a, a chopper that we're just at home with the kids. You know, I'm just we on around doing my thing. The missus goes, that chopper keeps doing its thing. I wonder whether it's police. I wonder whether she's looking for something. She loves true crime. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck it. She's fucking all <laughs> over this. Just like, yeah, all right. It's doing something. And she picked up, uh, I don't know whether she had the daughter or the son just out. I think it was the daughter. She had, had Lila out with her out the front. And like, I could hear it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe he's making another pass around. Yeah. And I just hear a voice go, that chopper's crashed. Like, what? Crashed? Like, it would have hurt it. So I kind of, I go out the front. I like put my legs on. I want to pick the pick the boy up. I cruise out the front. I'm like, look, I might, I'm gonna go down and see. And she's just like, no, look. I mean, everyone. There was literally people streaming towards it from the streets. I was like, there's. I'm just gonna leave it there. And I said, so what happened? And she goes, oh, I just started to. It's like it yeah. lost its power rotor. What a rotation. And then, yeah, hit power lines us way down and sputtered in a bit. And I said, so did, did it sound like so you, I was thinking if it hit the road, you would hear it. Yeah. Like your cars screeched. Didn't, so it got to a decent enough spot. Then it power lines and sputtered in. And um, I remember sort of like, and she was getting ready to finally, like one of her mates was having like a 40th birthday party that literally had a bus picking her up in 10 minutes. <laughs> so she's getting ready and I'm like going, should I help? Should I do? What should I do? Or whatever. And she's like, well, I've still got the birthday thing, you know. So she's sort of doing that. And it was, um, yeah, I remember when she left, I came back in with the kids. I didn't have a, like a f- like flashbacks or anything as such, but I started sweating. Mm. Like the aircon was on inside, it was comfortable, and I just my body just went weird. Yeah, right. The only thing I could say, like, like I texted like Boydy, and I'm just like, dude, I thought the chopper crash is finished when you left the fucking army. Like this, you know, because between that, Scotty's and and yeah. Merv, and that, yeah. you know, you wouldn't know Merv, wouldn't you? Like, they were fucking good friends. Yeah. So, like, how, man, every time, right, you think of Merv, mm. 
you've got a guy smiling. I know, I know. No matter what happens, yeah. you've always got that guy's face. Yeah. I, every time I think of him from like the time at three and then when he came across, yeah. no matter how crap anything was, he's always like. Just cheering, yeah. Oh, yeah, I always have this like perfect nah, he's, yeah, you know, it's not that bad. It'll we'll, we'll be right. I'm it'll like, no, right. mate, this is fun. For some reason he had that like, warmth <laughs> about his face yeah. and he believed it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, and it's. It was, so it was, it was really weird. Then having mm. that happen and I had the my body do that. Yeah. But nothing dark. No dark yeah. thoughts. Yeah. Like nothing else. Just sweating. And like literally. Yeah. Like sweating bullets just yeah. going. At, and I was even sort of saying it just going, I don't know what's happening because I didn't feel, I didn't feel sick. I didn't like have some of the other things. But yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy like and it's kind of weird how some of those things start to to pop up but yeah. I think that's one of the things like you're always and I noticed it with guys like like Merv you've kind of got a memory of mm. each one specific thing that each of the guys would do that you kind of hold on to yeah you know like I remember like so Cam Baird when we were first doing our advanced course Right, he was really like the. He was sort of mustering everyone around, and I think he was pushing for promotion to corporal from Lance Jack. I think at that stage, or maybe just to Lance Jack. But he just had the, you know, the MG had that from the trip before, and I just joined the company then. I remember he was mustering everyone on the buses. He was doing a lot of like the organizational stuff, and I'm like, awesome. I'm like, who? Who is this? Who is this guy? Like, was he? It's his deal because he's not like yeah. instructor in the course, and he's kind of behaving. And then, like, I remember turns looked like Ian Turner turns. Yeah, at, he goes, man, that's baddie. I was just like, okay, and but my full remain. He used to wear like these ESS glasses, and everyone else had Oakleys. Everyone else had something that looked a lot cooler than his. And I remember someone giving him shit about him. And he just, he was like such a gentle guy until anyone got in trouble. He was like literally the gentlest guy. I remember him looking back and sort of saying, oh, they're prescription. Like as if you just teased a kid with glasses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and it, like I felt I felt bad for the fact that someone had said it to him. Like it was, it was really weird. In such a testosterone-filled place. Yeah. With like literally the guy you wanted if you were in a brawl in a bar. But there would never, you would never know it. Yeah. Type thing. Just calm, you know cool, I mean? collected. And then he just, just, oh, their prescription with like a hint of a lisp or something on his ass. And you're just like, that was just the most gentle thing that can, you know, and that's like my. Out of a fucking warfighter. Yeah. yeah. And like, the, like one of the warfighters. Yeah. And that was the thing. Like, there was the guy who said it to me was one of those, like, he was hard. He did, he contracted in Iraq. He did. A bunch of other stuff then decided he was going to get back in the army and, you know, they sort of let him and a crew of other guys come straight back through. And, like, I remember you'd sort of say, go, oh, so if we ended up in a brawl, like, who do you think are going to be the guys who stand up? Like, and Betty's name was always, like, his first one he would go to and he could scrap. Like, he could – he was one of those guys and he would straight out go to his gone like, yeah, Betty, man, like, really. Like, <laughs> fuck, yeah, so, there you go. You could scrap with these fists and fucking guns. Yeah, like, like yeah. He's just he a fighter. Just, just you know, a fighter. A country lad. Yeah, you know I mean? that's Freedom it, yeah. different in the country. They're just, 
just tough, just tough lads. You know what I mean? Like they're always like reasonable tough. They're never yeah. like we tough. It's like when it's know, time to be tough. Yeah, that's my last possible resort. Yeah, like yeah, one of those. Yeah, mate. Just back to um, the Canimbla. Obviously, that this is, this is crazy because this ties into the story I had with. Uh, I did a podcast with Mick. Actually, I'll just um, let me just note that down because I have to delete his last name. So I did a podcast with him. He references obviously this incident because he was real good friends with Josh Porter. Yeah, right. They all served in the same recon section in uh, one area. Him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Josh Porter and uh, Jason Brown, Trooper Jason Brown as well. Yeah, okay. So he said during that podcast, he goes, Jason called obviously Mick and goes, mate, it's Josh that's missing on this on this helicopter. Yeah, hectic. And then obviously you you, you were there. So this is another podcast that just ties in. That's you know, just been, how crazy is it, right, how many – of the like, because it's like 42, but the coincidences that happen, like Jason and Josh part of the same recon platoon. Yeah. But then you got the crew of Iron Maiden. I know, I know. Have you seen the like, photo? Have you seen the photo of, uh, not Iron Maiden, the boys, the recon patrol? I'll send it to you. No. I'll yeah, send it to you, yeah, man. send it for sure, man. There's three dudes. And, uh, yeah, Todd Langley's in the picture too. Get out. No See? fucking way. No fucking way. Yeah. And that's it's the cr- thing. It's crazy like Crazy picture. Of- Oh man, it just like that sort of thing. Like just the sheer, like you've literally got the same amount of chance yeah. of winning lotto as you have of that happening. Yeah, yeah, like it's, it's mental, eh? Hey? Like, yeah, absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, yes. Yeah, so moving down the track, obviously you've done Fiji. You get back. Um, obviously, Afghan. At that stage, it's probably solid to note that, like, with the way that I was on Kanimbla. I didn't earn many people's respect. Yeah. You know, I mean, like it wasn't a great, I wasn't in a great place. I didn't really care about what I was doing. Like I just, you know, I even had Ian Langford, uh, he pulled me aside when we are on it and just goes, look, mate, I know it's shit, it sucks, but there's there's good things coming up. And I'm like, I don't care. Like I just don't. And I at that stage I really should have listened. But so I got back. I got back to the unit um, after the Canimba trip and they I got moved out of Alpha Company, which I think was the right move because mm. uh, I kind of needed just a bit of a hard reset on, you know, like you've got to prove that you want to be here. You know what I mean? Like we've got a group of guys who bust their ass to make sure that they're as good as they can be and at the moment you're not that guy. Mm. And it took me... It took me like three months, I think, to sort of decompress. I had a relationship breakdown through the part of it, which I don't think was helping. Um, and then I remember getting like we were doing stuff. This is the somehow like I've got a mate that I play golf with. He's a screw in um, in the jails. One of our boys from uh, from three area is his stepson. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, and he's like his name's Ray. I'm like I love him. He's a great guy. Like. Western Sydney boy, like para Western Sydney proper, like he's yeah. one of them. In it. It's great. <laughs> he always calls me God's favorite. He just goes, there he is. So we play golf together and every time I get a good bounce, he's gone, what else would you expect from God's favorite? And I'm just like, if this is what he does to his favorites, yeah, I guess so, man. Yeah. Like, so we're sort of back and forth about that. But then he has um, uh, 
what's it called? We'll talk, I, I get in like in trouble mm. again, and they move me to like the boat platoon. So we used to call it the boat platoon, but it's essentially the rigid hull inflatable, yeah, yeah, like insertion method for counterterrorism. And it was the best like seven months I'd had in the army. Yeah, right. No one yelled at you. We cruised around on the harbor doing training drills in black. Like it was just fun. It, I think it just took that pressure off. Yeah. That I kind of needed. You know what I mean? I had had the, you know, I'd obviously made the mistake that sent me across to 3RAR, then the time at 3RAR trying to go up, I want to be back. So I was sort of mm. fighting the system rather than going with it. Then I got back and then I still had to sort of prove myself and it was a different sort of thing. And I had that time to just, just kind of be able to look at some things and go, regardless of being an operator or not, I'm really enjoying the fact that I'm in the army and what it does. Yeah. You know, like look at this job that I've got now. I mean, and where they used to dock the boats kind of over near Star City Casino. So, you know, you're cruising onto the Harbour Bridge, like a <laughs> big yeah. formation, a big V formation, and that's just your drill for the day. You know what I mean? Like you're doing that, and it was just kind of one of those pinch yourself moments. Yeah. We had some cool guys with us. But then you get that hunger of like you because you're still eating in the same mess as everyone else. And that lit the fire again that I'd sort of just yeah, gotcha. out of myself, and I was like, I don't want my career to be being the best boat platoon guy I can be. You know what I mean? Yep. So I was I was into like a sergeant about it. I said, look, man, I'm ready to to get back. Let's have a hit at this. And he goes, like, to be honest, mate, no one trusts you yet. You know, like you've that's simple as it is. Yeah, that's it. I was like, dude, I'll do what I've got to do. And he goes, Well, you've just got to keep doing what you're doing. And just do it better, type thing. So you know, you going through the process. You know, I was working really hard on how fit I was, and you know, everything I thought would fit the role. And I remember us getting a call one day when we were doing um the the George's River you used to get on there near Holbrook. Yeah, 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 yep. Yeah. At the, the back, yeah. It was awesome. Um, like that. Even that in itself, like that's your job. You know, that's just, fucking fun. It's man, cool. it's the yeah. best. Like. Absolute best. And then I remember getting this call going, hey, they've got a they got a um slot for Tay's team or do you want to go? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sweet. When do I leave? And he's like, Friday. I'm like, it's Wednesday. <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, do you want to go? And I'm like, Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's do this. This is good. Um we, I got driven straight back to the wharf, straight out, gear together, and I knew, like at that at that thing, I knew that was my the, the if if you're ever gonna get if you're ever gonna be God's favorite and get another chance, this is it. You know, like I have to go over there and be just kill it, just flawless, yeah, yeah and that's it. Like just learn as much as I can. If you know, I think that was the first time I'd sort of like got the the little secret that like you're enough. Everyone just in themselves, you're enough. You know, if you do, you know, not have to, you don't have to try too hard. You don't have to do 
be over the top of what you're doing. You can just be you and fit where you fit type yeah, thing. Yeah. And you know, me, that was just was a guy who grew up on the central coast who liked surfing when he was young. Um could probably be a little bit loose, so had to reel it in sometimes, but would always give you 100% if you asked it. You know, that was, and that was, I got put in a really good team. We had great leadership. Um, Jim Reeves, who works up now for, I think, the uh, police force in Queensland, um, like Jordy McCallum, who runs. Um, yeah. Yeah, the the rehab clinics. Yeah. He was in the team. Uh and that, like, just a real, like, Pete Copeland, he now works down at uh, the the airport running a, a team of guys down mm. there, down at Sydney Airport. And, like, they were just, it was kind of the perfect team at the right time. You know what I mean? Yeah, all, gotcha. Really, really cool. And it gave me the chance then to feel comfortable in what I had and just learn off guys, you know. And in that three months, like, I, that really sort of set me up to be back and, you know, I had that real hunger back, like a hundred percent of the hunger. Just green again. Yeah, yeah. like that was that was yeah. it. You know? yeah. Like I, we had time and like I had guys I was like um was working with with Steve, one of the other boys, and we'd just race each other. Everything we did, we were like racing, wanting to lift more, wanting to, you know, just push each other. But you kind of want the other guy to do better, so you do better. Even table tennis. Like it got mental. Um, <laughs> Like I got back from that trip, it was cool, and I remember walking into the. What year was that? That was two thousand and seven. Yeah, gotcha. I was over so, there with yeah, three. Like a, we got back uh, December two thousand and seven. Yeah, yeah. So, and I learned so much on it. Most of all, I really sort of learned what it was, what I had to do to be a soldier. Yeah, you know, and, it, and what it really meant to be. On that team, the patience it took to just shut the fuck up when you were supposed to, which has always been a challenge for me. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but yeah, then and then I remember getting back. I walked into the the office to say, "Oh, hey guys, how you know? You know, we got back. You know, flew in at two o'clock, and I'm in the office at three thirty or whatever." So, hey guys, how you going? Where do you want me tomorrow? They're like, "Oh, they've um, you got a pretty good review from there. You've been moved across to Bravo Company." Yeah. And I was like, cool. And they're like, but don't worry, you don't have to go there till Monday. And um, I'd had <laughs> over the weekend. I, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, some was happening. There was a brawl that somehow I found my way near. Long story short, I fractured my eye socket. And um, or someone else fractured my eye socket. I don't think it was me. So I walk into the office and I got, you know, I got an eye. And I I'd been pretty well behaved before it. And this guy like walks up and goes, So what are you doing here? And like I'm you know, I have private Tomlin, so I just come across from from there. Why what are you doing here? And he's like, Well, I'm the DOC at the company, so I think I belong here, right? It's like awesome. Good stuff. First thing I walk through the door, I got a busted <laughs> eye, and I've just asked like Waco, Steve Wakeland, like what he's doing there. Cool. This is really going well. And then <laughs> and like he had a laugh at it, you know, like, oh, what happened? And I said, you know, it was a bit of an uneven match. So I thought I'd, you know, I knew one of the guys, so I thought I'd even it up. I got clipped and you know, it happens. And um, yeah, it was a 
God, back in the day, it was wild, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. You oh, yeah. I, I actually remember I, I got into a fight with a couple of Tugamato guys and we call it the Battle of George Street. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> good times, good times. Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> I can't even imagine it happening now. Yeah. Such a, I'm glad it's a different world, but there's it less is, to be worried about when you go out, you know. Yeah. I, you know, this is a cool thing, but I was chatting to one, like a guy who's still like my, like hero of all heroes is H. Like, yeah. And there's just, if you're ever going to draw a picture of one of them, he's, that's what it looked like. Yeah. Yeah. I remember chatting to him about it. And I was like, remember, he used to be like, it was always about being tough. And he's like, yeah, man, but EQ's the new tough. Like, and he's sort of like that mentor where every now and then I'll reach out and he'll say something that just has an impact for a period of time. But, but yeah, getting back to the, the thing we then had like a good 12 month build up mm. to Afghanistan where I could like sort of build trust within everyone again that, you know, this is how, who I was, you know, cause you know, most of the time units are built on reputation, aren't they? Yeah, of course. And that's sort of, it's like, there's a lot of schoolyard reputation stuff. So I had one that I knew I had to sort of mend and get back together. And I sort of found my niche. If that was who I was, I was the guy who, just the surfer who had found his way into the army. Yeah. That was um it was cool. We ended up with a crew of guys from Bravo Company, which were, you know, we all lived like around the eastern suburbs. So we'd go to Maroubra and surf. And yeah, it was it was good. You know, we and we had the build up. You had a really distinct build up to Afghanistan. We had the sort of the 12 month. Yeah. And that was the thing, yeah, because you had guys as well that it was really weird. Like when you when I first joined, it was about getting time up. I remember that was a big thing at three. Everyone was like, "That's oh, exactly right." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to like get some time up, and had you done Tully, and then like <laughs> had you done Tully, <laughs> yeah, like that was the that was like the benchmark for how hard things had been. And then you had shooters who'd already done like two rotations. Yeah, that's it. You know, we're get literally fucking- like having a sergeant, it's like sort of say something to him, and they're just like giving him the. Side eye, like really can't get some you know, fucking wartime up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can have been in the army for twenty years, but I got more trigger time in eight months. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it was just weird. And then you know the unit through that. It was a really good time to be there because everyone's game lifted. Yeah, hundred percent it did. To meet the level, like it was, and the unit was only like re rolled in like ninety eight. Mm. So you had to see the difference between there and 10 years later when it became like was functioning the way it was doing all the ops the way it was plus learning the whole time because most of the stuff, to my knowledge, was based on Vietnam. It was. It's all evolving. It's it's fucking even better. Today it's better than what it was fucking 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And But like there's those different like levels, you know, the the PAN was originally based on jungle warfare. Yeah. Which is – Useless in the desert. Yeah, in Afghanistan. You know, shiny stuff and all of these little things that, you know, all your different things, why things are seen. Yeah. You're in the middle of the desert on flat ground. You stand out. Yeah. You're in a car. That's it. Yeah, that's it. You do, you know, like, so all of the things that, you know, like typically recon style stuff of what was really important stopped being important and it was then thinking outside the box of how to solve some of these unique problems. Mm. 
that will pop up. So it was really cool to be a part of that sort of cycle of things. Um, but then, like, I I can remember bits of, like, this is only there for, like, eight weeks before I got hit. And Yeah, right. Fuck. I remember I can remember an orders group getting shot up a couple of days before. Um, like, or it might have been a day before. That's my last, like, memory memory. And, yeah, then just waking up, like, just fate, uh, fuzzy in, in Germany. In a, yeah, right. Fuck. Yeah, so it was, like, pretty, pretty hectic. Like, and I still didn't quite, I wasn't quite with it. If you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a lot of there's a pretty bad brain injury. Like I got hit really hard. Like I had bleeding inside my head and all these different bits. My right arm, which is still not the prettiest picture. Yeah, yeah. They didn't know whether it was gonna still be there. Like that was sort of the thing. Apparently there was like so if there's a timeline of it, it's about uh eleven forty five or something like that, near midnight. We're moving into an overwatch position in a period of darkness while uh, the other platoon, and I'll say like Baddie's platoon, just his most notable out of it. They're walking. Like, Evo was in his platoon. I know mm. Evo was in the team behind me. But yeah, they were walking onto target. We're just supporting snipers. So reasonably quiet night. Um, then we're driving in each other's wheel tracks. My car hits an IED and just. What type of vehicles are you in? We were in what's called like an SRV, yeah, a special reconnaissance vehicle. So they're like modified Land Rovers. Yeah. Kind of like with the top cut off, yep, just heavy yep. duty with a, either a, a, what's it called, Mark 48, the yeah. launcher thing or a yep. 50 cal on the back. Yep. So you have one of them each without the, without the for each team and three people per, per vehicle. Yeah, gotcha. A couple of BMs and so we'd had ATVs, we'd had SRVs, we're all in each other's things and then somehow mine just set it off. So the apparently I was making I don't know I would like to think I would just take it like a champ you know what I mean like just, just be nice and quiet but apparently I was screaming. Um, <laughs> the guy next to us woke up first, like Boydie, big fella. He woke up first and like it blew his eardrum out. And I think he was I don't know who was first to get to me. Like there's the thing is with this as well. I've heard probably. Uh, 10 at least different renditions of it. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I you don't want to, because I don't want to, it's bad enough that people have got to relive it. You know, yeah, of I mean? course. Like, yeah. 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 You're like, they got to wake up from it. I had this combo. I had a lot to do with turns um, before he uh, ended up uh, killing himself uh, in 2016. Mm. Like, I had, a, I, had a, I had a fair bit to do with him just because we hadn't had too much to do before that and he needed to decompress a bit. And I was like, man, I didn't have the conversation because I didn't want you to have to relive it. And he's like, I didn't have the conversation because I didn't think you would want to have to. And I'm like, man, I don't remember any of it. So I remember we sat down at the, it used to be the palace. It's now called, what's it? Yeah. At Coogee, yeah. Now yeah, it's something else with Justin Hems. I forget it's name. The pavilion, yeah. Yeah, the We sat down there eating a chili pizza and just, it was burning both of our faces, but there was no one, like, no one was budging on it. Like, both sweating, just talking about this. He ran me through, and his boydies and one other guy who's still in stories Match. all yeah. are the same, yeah. So 
there was like a scene where guys were, you know, working and they'd sort of tag each other out mm. and do different bits to with the the head medic that had eventually got there. Who is a really cool. He ended up the medical advisor on Hacksaw Ridge. Oh yeah, right. So yeah, I got um, I get a call. When I got cast in that, I'd been acting school for a couple of years. I got cast in it and then they rang my manager and they go, look, with his background, would he know anyone? And it was one of the best calls I've ever got to make because I like called him up and I'm like, hey, Chris, how you going? And he's like, oh, good, man. How are you? Like just wondering like what's happening. Is Damien melting down or what's happening? I'm like, man, I know that you do like some advisory stuff on the side because he's literally got like a room in his mm. house that's got army stuff in it like mannequins dressed up and all this sort of medical stuff. And I said, look, do you want, I've got like, it's going to sound crazy, but Mel Gibson's doing a movie in Australia called Hacksaw Ridge that's about Desmond Doss. And he goes, oh, the medic. And I said, yeah, yeah. Do you want to be the medical advisor for it? And he's like, you're taking the piss. I'm like, it's a pretty elaborate story, don't you think? Like I've gone to some lengths. If that's my, if this is my ruse, like it's a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty big one, bro. And he's like, and so he ended up being the yeah right, yeah right, the advisor on that movie, which is, but he wasn't there the day that we did the scene where I got ripped apart. We, yeah, to look after him, we made sure he wasn't gonna have to do anything that day. Live it again. But yeah, but yeah, getting back to what I so the boys, uh, there was a real matter of chance because when I, we'd gone to White Light. And they're putting, you know, tourniquets and from what I hear, and they thought I was going to, I was in more danger of dying from the amount of morphine. They just kept pumping into me, but must have a high tolerance. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, and we kept hearing on the icons that they were going to start just shotting it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're still, which is probably the worst place to be, and there's a big patch of white light reasonably easy to shoot at, you know what I mean? So um, luckily they didn't because if they had a shot, I'd be dead. One yeah. shot that they say there's troops in contact, that's too much risk for one guy. Yeah. You know, the chopper wouldn't have come into land. So, But the hardest, like, and this was one that um, both arms were broken really badly. Like this one was in a weird S-band. The elbow was hanging out of this. Um, right wrists, hands broken. Boydie was holding me down at one stage because apparently I was trying to get up and run away. Like I was just trying to just get away from whatever was happening. So I'm just, like trying to punch him. And he said he could just hear the bones. Yeah. In my arm. And it felt like I was just tapping him with the back of my hand. Like it, it was just messy. But then they got me under the stretcher and both my arms were out. And they said, we can't take him on the plane. And like oh, under the chopper, unless both of his arms are across his chest. And they're like, man, look at them. Like, we can't. Jesus. And they go, look, we can't have him on unless he does that. And turns said it was just like he just tapped me, said, sorry, man. Like, then I'm screaming. Like they're putting both, they put both arms, strapped him down. I was just apparently losing my mind. And I'm going, let's be honest, turns. I was probably like smiling. Like, <laughs> let's. Come on, I can't be that bad. Like, and I try, you could see in his eyes when he was telling me that that was like, that was a hard one. He said when he tapped me, like, he sort of tapped and was, had just made peace with the fact that was the last time he was going to see me. Mm. 
like when I got on there. And then, um, yeah, I, I woke up in Germany and yeah, they, they went about it. They still did the, they did the job. The job got finished the next morning. Um, yeah. So it was, I mean, overall the, the job got done, which is a pretty good one, but yeah. Yeah. Then the process of like rehab and junk starts. Yeah. So do you know how long you spent in Germany? I think I was, I was in like a place called Bastion, which is a UK base for two days. Oh, in, uh, yeah, in Afghanistan, yeah. Yeah, in Afghanistan. Yep. And um, my parents got the call uh, when, so they'd done the first lots of operations, had me on a bench essentially with a space blanket over me, and if my body couldn't retain its own heat, I was I was done. Yeah. So that was literally the call they got. They're like, look, it's triple amputee, like definitely double amputee because one of them has gone and the other one's busted. We can't save it. His right arm is really bad. Like, you know, well, yeah, that was the that was the call I got. Um, and they were playing, yeah, they were actually playing golf at the course I play at now. So, ah. yeah, they were on the 11th tee when they got that call. So it's... um. Yeah, it's a bit of a legs eleven. That's weird, and I'm yeah, <laughs> and um, like then they sort of you got the whole the trash, the whole family got together and stuff like that. And mm. It's really weird, like when you hear the dynamic of how those situations really work. Mm. Like I expected dad to be stoic, holding it together. He was a mess. My uncle, who he was a policeman growing up, and I always looked up to him a lot. He was a mess as well. Like mum sort of held everyone together, mm. which was kind of fascinating for me to hear how that happened. I remember my sister telling me about it, just going like, this is what it looked like, like and explaining what everyone was like in the living room at home that day because there's and as well you're kind of helpless there's nothing you can do yeah exactly you just you're a world away the next call isn't he's done yeah they all geared up flew into germany i can remember them being there oh yeah yep i can't remember much much from there i remember stephen baldwin came to visit yeah i loved biodome when i was young (laughs) and i called him the forgotten baldwin brother (laughs) he is yeah, see, that's the thing. But it like, but I really liked all the stuff he'd done. But I, so I called him that and just started a rant or something like that. And he recorded me, and it was pretty funny. I wrote an <laughs> apology letter, and then you know, time goes on. Um, but yeah, then it was sort of like I came back to Australia, as in North Shore, North Shore Private, and I was under like an assumed name. Because the press were trying to do a like so much about war now, I understand like the, yeah. the politics behind it. The press were trying to say that the cars were inadequate, like that that we didn't have enough protection. But you get more protection like you do in a Bushmaster. You lose situational awareness. Like yeah, like more protection than you are in your feet if you're out yeah, patrolling. Yeah, you know? like, fuck. That, what are I mean, they, that's the thing. How do they change that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like it's just. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have made – exactly. Never really, never really thought about the difference, but they were like, we can't have it in that way. Like, you know, you can't you can't talk to media. So I was like – I was Damien Cooper when I was in high school. Yeah, right. Which is, um, which is different. 
Yeah. You know, I, mean, I don't know where they picked Cooper from either. Like just randomly. Just randomly, yeah. That was their thing. I'm like, not even like born. That's not it. Born. Could have like, not, put Baldwin. Not like, yeah. Damien yeah. Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Surely or something like that. No, fucking Cooper. Who, who's that? But yeah. And then it was actually really good because everyone who was ever important in my life scheduled in with mum to come and visit. Mm. So you got like all of these people who you love and who have been influential coming down just to like prepared to see the mess that was you. Mm. And I'm just stoked that we're all there. I've got a morphine button. I'm fine. Yeah. Like this is great. You know, we're having conversations, talking about stuff that happened when we were growing up or telling stories. It was, it was good. You know, I mean, we've got, I've got a little yellow book that's got everyone who in there, who went in there, wrote a note. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So I've got all the days documented that I was in there, which was a couple of weeks. And um, So you were you uh, amputated legs in Germany and then – Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they obviously, so they, obviously you saved both your arms. Yes. Yeah, yeah, which is – I think they're still baffled by how they could sort of piece the right one back together. But they did a really good job. I mean, it got infected. But, yeah. um, like, it's kind of one of those things that – like, I think with trauma – it's it's an interesting conversation because everyone feels it differently. Mm. My brain, and I think I do think that this has a lot got to do a lot with the type of training that we went through. You learn in a way to almost block out the fact that happened. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like you still got the defense mechanism against the pain or whatever that happens. You accept it, yeah. Yeah, but you just it's just there. Yeah. You know, it's not something that you think about in the same way that someone who hasn't been through stuff that's that intense yep. thinks about. You know what I mean? Like so and I think I was pretty lucky in mine because my brain had already been through that whole you've just got to pretend that pain doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Pain is just another thing that you're gonna go through on a daily basis. It's the same as the wind blowing. You just can't react to it. Exactly. Like, and I think having that kind of helps through the process because you're just like, this is pain, but I'm not going to show it. Yeah. You know, this this can hurt, but this, you know, it just, you know, it is what it is. I take it and that's what I do and that's what separates me from, you know what I mean? And that's the sort of thing that your ego is feeding itself. Of course. To have you get through those little bits. I mean- like looking back, the infection was one of the was horrible. Like it was in there for God, nearly two years. Oh fuck! We couldn't get because there was plates trying to glue a bone back together. Antibiotics that I was on were just keeping it at bay, and we couldn't take the plates out. Yeah. So it was like it was a bone infection that, um, yeah, we just and we couldn't isolate what it was because I'd been on antibiotics from the start. So it was like this cycle of trying to, you know, in the middle of that, get back walking and do all these things. And, yeah, it was, I mean, but it's still, it's hard to describe unless you're in it, you know mm. what I mean? Mm. Like I found the bits that someone from the outside looking in would think that would be a hard bit, but that were the easy bits. Yeah, right. You know, like right. for me it was harder, it was harder trying to convince, like trying to tell everyone that everything's fine. Everything's when good. Yeah. Everyone was assuming it wasn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like 
just don't be worried. Well, look, we're out having a beer at this place. Let's, yeah, let's yeah. just have me here. And then, but are you sure? Are you are you okay? Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> just that's it. Why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I be? Like, yeah. I, you know what I mean. Like there was little bits of that, but I think as like one of the main challenges that you're not ready for is that you've sort of like my whole goal with my entire life was to sort of follow dad's footsteps a bit. And and by the time I'm like 60 and retiring to own the house I live in Mm. at one stage to own an Audi A4, that was my dream car. That was literally how low my bar was. Um, And, and that was, that was pretty much it. Yeah, right. I mean, the house you live in and driving out here and within a day I had it. Yeah. You know, and you all of a sudden you're kind of like, so what now? Like, what do I, what do I do? Obviously I can't be a soldier anymore. What am I doing? You know, you're in the, you're in this gaping void that you're in as a teenager, Mm. you know, and you're not even 30. You know what I mean? It was a yeah. It's yeah, a right. wild sort of thing. And that was the thing. I was like, okay, so now I'm financially secure. What do I want to do? That's exactly right. So, and that was that was one of the cool bits. It's like one of the gifts with it. I mean, I was still battling a lot of stuff. Like I don't. It's not until I look back now. You know, I mean, I I rarely drink. You know, my my job is to provide the most comfortable and safe environment for two kids that I can. Yeah, you know what I mean. Be the best be the best partner husband that I possibly can managing, you know, the, the comp, the, you know, some of the complicated situations that come with the experiences I've had. Um, and, you know, it's only now looking back that I'm kind of like, okay, I was on tilt for like years, you know, a period of time, but I still, you know, I went to, Remember, like, you know, went to, to acting school, which was just yeah, fun. Yeah, that's loved it. doing that as a kid. You know, I just was too scared about the opinions that, like, anyone had about it. Yeah. And that's one of the hardest things. Like, acting is really difficult to be good at, but also one of those things you fail for so long and look so bad and just have to deal with the fact that that's how you're improving. Mm. You know, like, I, you know, I think that one, one of the gifts that not having legs – is given me is the fact you know you've got no control whatsoever over what someone thinks of you. Yeah, exactly. You know what exactly. I mean? And how many times have you been con- self-conscious about what you're wearing or how you're wearing it or what you're doing? Like imagine having no legs and skinny jeans become a fashion. <laughs> you're like, really? Yeah. Like, is, is now the time? You know what I mean? So like it was – and it was kind of good. Once you've let go of that, it's a bit liberating to like then – have that worry about what someone else cares or thinks or whatever, and you're just making your own choice based on your own choice. And then you start realizing the choices I'm making without any of those outside influences are the better choices. Exactly. No, you're like, right. Why didn't I just get out of my own road years ago? Like yep. this could have been different. Um, yeah, it's a bit bit weird, you know what I mean? Like it's Yeah. And then, yeah, I obviously got – it's one of those weird things like – You hear the, 
stories of like luck. People go, oh, that person was lucky. You go, why? They go, oh, they were just down in this specific neighborhood in Hollywood and someone saw him and did that. And you're like, no, luck is if they were in the desert in Wyoming working at a service station and that same And that happens, yeah. 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 That's luck. Being in that street in that time at that place is a bit more management than luck. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like. Some, but sometimes, like, the stars definitely align. Like, I was in doing a thing. This is just after we lost turns. I was singing a, like, a, he did one of the Team America songs. <laughs> and, like, it was just fucking, it was so funny when he did it. I was trying to do it and I couldn't. I just started crying. And, but not crying, crying. Yeah. Trying just, because uh, you're in front of an acting class. So I'm trying to hold it in as well as I could. People spend 99.9% of time trying to hide emotion. So it looks so real. Yeah. Plus it was real. I mean, that's just the the essence of it. But and then the teacher pulled us up after the class and goes, look, hey, that was about one of your guys, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, you got to get in touch with this casting director. They're doing something that I think will be up your alley. And I'm like, and her name is Nikki Barrett. And I'm like, Nikki Barrett, she casts Gatsby. She casts a mm. lot of mm. things. Like, that's a big name, man. Um, okay. And he goes, yeah, just get your manager to write. So, oh, like, he was on his third callback or something. And then I went screen tested and, yeah, they ended up saying yes. So it was it was like it was the, this is just crazy, man. Like, I, I remember being at, like, on the – the beach at Coogee and getting the call, my manager, because I knew it was a war thing. Yeah, I kind yeah. of expected to get it. I didn't know how big it was, but, and he just goes, mate, you got the part. I said, oh, cool. And he's like, you don't sound really that excited. I'm like, sure, should I be? And he goes, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Mel yeah. Gibson's directing. And I just lost my mind. I was like, I'm like amputee happy dancing, which is like really <laughs> top heavy, but still doesn't sting. And then the girl I was with at the time was a lot younger than me, just goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, I got the part. She goes, oh, awesome. I said, you don't understand. Mel Gibson is directing. She knows shit looked at me and goes, who's she? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> what the, really? Okay. And then, yeah, but it was, it ended up like, I went in to meet Mel and uh, two of the producers mm. and seeing this wall, like you never know how big something is until you get there. Like the gravity hit me when I've looked up on the wall and there's like Vince Vaughn, Sam Worthington, Andrew Garfield, like Frash Drani, uh God, Luke Bracey was up there, Ben Minge, who Pegler, like all of these Australian legends and I'm in the middle of it. I'm just like looking at this Hugo weaving and you're just like, what is happening here? Like it's in in your mind, you're thinking you're in the middle of a reality show. You're honestly going, there's a reality show and someone like Ashton Kutcher is about to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, yeah. And then it was a, it was a, it was a pretty like an out of this world experience. Yeah. Yeah. Of course it would be. But you got to get it right, type thing as well. When you know, 
the gravity that's involved. It was just, it was such a cool project, but as well, like everyone's just like I mean, that's the thing. They're just all at the peak of their game. Yeah, just all killing. You know, you got to turn up. And for me, it was you know, do the scene and just make sure Andrew gets the right thing out of it. But I don't know if you've seen the movie. There's like, mate, it's a fucking really good movie. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, the, there's a bit, but if you look at the bit where I get hit and mm. you look at the long cut version of it, I said, because I told all the boys that it was happening. I was like, oh, you know, I got this job. I had to do it. I chose to do it. Um, but this happens in it. So just if it's going to bother you, I'd rather you know about it so that like you're ready and what have you. And I remember asking one of the boys and just say, man, so uh, how'd it look? Did it look real? And he's gone, man, it was so much worse on the night. Yeah. And, like, you look at how horrific that scene is, like, all of a sudden, like, not that my respect level could ever get higher for the ability that those dudes had under that much pressure. Yeah. Literally with someone's life in your hands and then you watch something that's that bad and it's like it didn't even come close to what the reality looked like. It just was, like, Mental it was just something different. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I, I guess for you playing that part as well. See, the guy loses his legs in the movie. Th- it's kind of like you playing that role for the first time as well for yourself because you don't remember nothing of it. So you're yeah, you don't even, you're like fuck. I don't even know how to play this role because I wasn't yeah, I didn't fucking. Even know what to do. I didn't even know what to do. I just got to scream. Yeah, yeah. Like I that was one of the things, but I I'd done different things because like your mind's a weird thing. I've just going like. If I can't, how can I not remember it? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, how can I remember absolutely nothing from it? Like, and it's it's like the whole night before it. Just like gone. people have gone through different things that I said to them or whatever on the night, and I'm like, it's gone. Still, nothing's there. So I was kind of a little bit worried when I was doing it that it was gonna reappear. Mm. Yeah. You know Fuck. I mean? Yeah. No. Gotcha. Yeah. Like it, for some reason, it's just like a reboot. Yeah, like, and I, I don't know, like, I remember I, I wanted to make sure because they'd said, you look, there's, if Andrew gets this role right, he'll be up for an Oscar. Mm. And I remember hearing that and I, then I was like, so that's how the Oscars work? So I think you kind of know that we're, we're filming this. Like, how do people know that? Yeah. Yeah, it was a, this little bit of a But it's still, I was like, okay, cool. If that's a thing, I've got to, and I remember, like, doing one take where we'd done it the first time. I remember like Mel came out and just like goes, you've got your teeth gritted. Cause like, that's all I could think of. If it was in that much pain, I'd be. Yeah. Yeah. So I was trying to like, I guess, imagine what was happening and go through it. And then he goes, you've been gritting your teeth. Like let's this one, I, I want to open. And why I had some, you know, like a couple of friends who come to sort of back me up and in case something went wrong there. And that was, so they're in the little video city tent that they've got and they said on the second take, I think that's when it all came out. Mm. It, it They said it just like it appeared. I can remember like doing it, doing the bit, and I felt Andrew rub my chest and I looked up and he's just like, you good? And I said, yeah, yeah, let's reset and do it again. I kind of gave him that one and I turn and like look and Mel's wearing like flip-flops but running at me. And I was like, this is probably good. 
but I'm not sure. He ran and slapped me five and goes, that, that would like, it was to me, you just had like the Godfather Mel Gibson yeah, yeah. up and slapped you five. It was just like, wow. And then the guy come up and just goes, man. Oh. And I said, so did they like it? And his look was like they took a second to reset and he goes, well, I was watching it and like I was starting to well up. He goes, I turned and there's like nine other people at Video City all just bawling. Like they were just all in tears that like it was really happening in front of them. And I like, I think as an actor, that's all you want to do. You just want it to look real. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So that was, was kind of satisfying to to do that. And then you do it from all, the, all these other angles as well. Like so you got to try and. Yeah, yeah. And not jump on his line when he's saying something. So you're kind of doing those <laughs> things while he's talking. Um, but yeah, it was a really cool experience. Like, yeah. <laughs> just funny after that first time after Mel's coming in and said, not, not grit your teeth, he's probably just thinking, fuck, is this cunt really lost his legs or? Yeah, like, like does he even know? Did he even live through this, or is he just fucking? Yeah. Is this Who's cosmetic? Like, is this cosmetic? Yeah, a guy on. He obviously doesn't know what it looks like. <laughs> He's got no <laughs> idea. <laughs> it's funny we have we chats about like different things. They do. They did a scene that, and he's gone. Oh, so we're gonna going into a building. We're making entry in this building. What does it look like? And I'm like, he goes, they would charge in, you know, the big gun and mm. stuff like that. And I'm like, no, probably not. <laughs> and he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, someone could potentially be trying to kill you. So everything's really slow and methodical. Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. Like the old yeah, speed yeah, yeah. is final. Yeah. Kind of give them this little schooling on it. And he's like, he's like, oh, okay, okay. We're, we're going to do it this way. And then yeah. like gets like. Bracey running in with his big gun, clearing the thing and stuff like that. And he comes over and goes, was that it? Was that it? And I'm like, it was, that was nothing like it. Yeah. That was the least realistic thing I think we could do. And he goes, come, come and look, come and look, come and look. So he cruise over to the little video city thing and you see like, the, and this is like one of the, the best things about getting to see like a genius work. You watch it and it looks perfect. Like it fits everything that's happening mm. and it looks so good that like in my mind I was just like going, oh, my God, this is crap. And we get in there and it just looks brilliant. Oh, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like and it's a the art that guys do, and I don't have any artist to me. I've like I don't have an yeah. artistic point <laughs> in my body. So to watch guys who like can literally see what a painting's going to look like when they start yeah, painting. Yeah, yeah. It's just like it's such a pleasure to be near. Yeah. I mean, I just stare in wonder like a kid the whole time. Just <laughs> like that fucking idiot that's looking up at a building in the city going, look how tall that is. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm literally that guy and, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, right. Fucking hell. Mate, I just want to touch on uh, the prosthetics. Obviously, ADF or more DVA supplied, and it's all next level carbon fiber stuff, isn't it? Yeah, man. And they are – Faultless. Yeah. Like, honestly, man, like, for the issues they have, like, now, say, with, like, claims and and different things, and I know there's plenty of guys that are having a real hard time dealing with, I think because there aren't many of us as amputees. Yeah. um, 
we're, we're, we're pretty lucky. Like the approval process for our stuff to get done is pretty seamless for providers. And um, like I don't, I've I've only got I've got like two sets of legs, one that I wear to golf and one that um, I sort of wear around the house and like a water leg. Um, but they're all really really well done, you know. And DVA have just been. They've been great with all of it. Yeah, know, that's good. That's good to hear. Savings. Yeah, I mean that. I'm 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 really hoping that through the next while, like say, especially the it's like the staffing issue that's been mm. highlighted mm. is part of the thing that's holding up people's claims. I'm really hoping that gets addressed. Yeah, I think they. I think that last budget they said they're putting on 500 more staff. Yeah, which yeah. I mean, I'm I'm hoping because it's just not. You know, and I think the the gap is something. Every time I speak to them, that was that was always a thing I've said. I'm like, you know, I came out with a pile of med dogs that you know we've just spent six months doing in the army, and then someone from DBA goes, "Oh, we've got to send you out and have you assessed." And I'm like, I definitely don't have legs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's what yeah, I would, yeah. That was always something that baffled me, but I think they're they're definitely working hard on yeah, streamlining it a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, yeah. I mean, as well, sort of learning as they go. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, what's wrong with you? Oh, well. oh it's still, still a legs. Yeah, they haven't grown back. Someone said it needed reassessment. Poor person on the other side of the phone. It's just like, oh, you know, we've got to send someone to to reassess um, the requirement for this. And I'm like, I can you know, like categorically say they haven't grown back. But if you know something that I don't, like, I'm yeah. Oh, no. Work. Which would be, it'd be pretty weird. I've thought about it, but I don't think I could have them back now. Yeah, right. You know, like. Mate, I'm sh- yeah. Yeah, fuck who knows. Like, yeah. That's the thing. Like, I don't. It's a weird thing because you never think about it. You'll, you'll, you'll always think, like, what would it be like if you lost something? And you'd be yeah. like. But I think you go through, like, a grieving process and, you know, you got a whole heap of coping mechanisms in place, but eventually it just becomes what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had I, – I, I spoke with a U.S. Marine who's a bilateral uh, amputee, and he got the two fucking hands, two yeah, like, right. full fucking transplant hands, and they work fine. No, not fine, Jesus. but yeah. He was like one of the first in the world. This is a few years ago, but we had him on the podcast, and I caught up with him when I was in the U.S., and – yeah, I mean, he drives cars and that's mental. Yeah, I remember him saying that there's there's stuff in the works with it. Like, in the U.S. government was spending a lot of money on the research to do with it. Mm. And like at that stage, it was sort of one of those. Like this is 13 years ago now. I was sort of like, I'm really interested in it. I wonder, like, now's the time. Mm. Pretty fresh. They could just yeah put him in a lab and then. But I think that's part of the. That was part of like the process of me coming to terms with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe yeah. they can do that. You're just giving yourself a little bit of hope. Then you're kind of like living with the thing. Okay, this is how it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? You you know, I'll go through this and then hopefully the process will improve so that other people it's easier for. That's another one of like the next yeah. step grieving coping process. Yeah. Yeah. Like I find that interesting now, you know, like when I you talk to people and, you know, who are either amputees or have been through something that's that's traumatic. They're like, oh, no, it's just 
you reached out and you sort of said something to me, like, what do I have to do back? And I'm like, just, you know, when the next person's in the same spot as you, just mm. do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes all you need, like, and I found that for me has been really good group of amputee golfers. Yeah. You know, like, you know, everyone understands. It's like, it's the same sort of thing, you know, vets. Like if you're an infantry veteran, we both have yeah. action of going, we know that we've both been through this amount as a minimum. Yeah. And everything else, then there's a load that can that happens around and on top of that, but you've got that connection. Exactly. It's really good to have, especially because they're from a broad range of people. It's mm. not just like motorbike crashes, cancer. Anything, like, yeah, yeah. There's a pile of different people that have had different experiences with it, which I think was good to humble me a touch. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, I'm really wildly lucky that when I, while I had a bad injury, I had the Department of Defense behind me. Well, that's it, yeah. You know, I, yeah. And I had the respect of the public, you know. I mean, Australia, Australians as a whole have a level of pride with our troops that, God, I think, I mean, I think it, it rivals the US. We just don't wear it the same way. No, exactly right. Yeah. I like right. Australians are about actions. Americans are a bit more about like, no offense. I love them, but like more about the words of it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Like there's, and I think that was another thing you kind of get. I had a lot of faith restored in people really quickly just through them being cool. You know what I mean? Like just you see the best of every person who you meet because they care about something that you've been involved in. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's a, it's a really, I just reinforced, you know I mean? Like Aussies as a whole, like, you know, you just got so much respect for the type of people that they are, you know, it's not, it's not this overt, thank you for your service. Let's rah, rah, rah. But it's, we're going to make sure there's a beer at your seat before yeah, you Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Get to the seat yeah. Without getting in your road, you know, I'm not going to help you to your seat unless you ask for it. But yeah. You know what I mean? It was, yeah, you always saw a lot of really nice offers from really cool people. And I mean, and then some of the other guys that you see that don't have that same sort of treatment because something random happened to them, you know, like a yeah, of course. car hit them on their motorbike yeah. or whatever. And then, you know, you sort of, just reminds me that you know i'm in a like while it's it seems like a crap but i'm still in a pretty good place yeah um, fuck that word luck like yeah it's, it's in a way yeah yeah. The thing. yeah yeah um i think that's that's something i try to like remind myself you know what i mean yeah like just, uh, there's fucking a lot of people off worse yeah worse, worse like, people and i there. mean as well i've had so many different good people along the way to help me cope yeah. with something that's yeah. and I mean the thing the thing with it is mine's such an obvious thing that there's gonna be some form of disaster. You know what I mean? Like emotionally it's gonna be difficult to deal with type thing. So everyone's always sort of been at the ready. So the first sign of something going up, you've always had people. Whereas if you've just if you don't have the same visible even visual thing, you could have broken your back, mm. your neck, your you know, anything. You can have seen, like, just some horrific stuff that just plays in your mind over and over, but the level of understanding for people who just go, oh, cool, look at half of him's missing, you know, whereas the guy that the guy next to me still goes to the gym, works out, yeah. looks fit, but his head 
isn't in the same spot. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, I think, again, people are getting better at dealing with that. Oh, of course, I mean? yeah. Yeah, and, and again, this goes back to, you know, our earlier chat about the information, how yeah. easy it is for information now to people learn more about things like this. And that That's the thing. I mean, like in mental health, is it's important and it's just cool that it's getting yeah, recognised now. Course. You know what I mean? We're not having the old, you know, I mean, like it would just come out when someone's wildly drunk and that just means that they're a bad drunk. You're like, uh, maybe there's something else happening there. You know what I mean? They're, maybe their mates will sit them down and chat and just say, oh, so what? You know, and it's not a bad thing to go, I don't know why, I just don't feel like myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think normalizing that and the roots of normalizing that is a really cool part of their era that we live in. Yeah. No, ex- exactly right, mate. And, the, you know, this is part of the reason why we started the podcast, So share stories like yourself. Mate, for example, you know, like Curtis McGrath lost his legs, Paralympian kicked ass. You're, you're the same thing. Now you're in top 88 from golfer. So it's great to share stories like yourself. You know, it doesn't stop you just because you've something's happened to you or something this, this. It's not going to stop you. You can still keep them going and still keep doing it. Man, we had this, I've got to say, like the moment, like my my uh, like best mate. It was hard to say best mate. Like there's a few of them, but um, we were in Whistler right before my trip, and I, you know, I was obviously at the peak of the military at that stage. You know, ready to go to Afghanistan, serving in the special forces. Mm. Not even thirty, and he's waiting tables in a ski resort. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I'm giving him this like life advice. <laughs> Just going, what are you doing, buddy? You know, come on. Yeah. Sort of, we're getting old. We're getting old. And like, looking back, we're tiny. We're just literal infants. Yeah. And I, I remember like, we we're sitting there having a beer in Whistler, and he looks across at me and he says, Man, no matter what happens, when we're 80 years old in a nursing home looking at each other, the last thing I want on my conscience is to have to look at you and say, I sat on the sidelines. Mm. You know what I mean? And, like, I remember I, like, that just stuck with me because it's kind of like, and we still say this, you know, life, life's about having good stories. That's as simple as it is. It's about having good, fun stories yeah. about what they're doing. Yeah. I don't know if I'm in Afghanistan, like, it's a bit painful at the time, but, fuck, it's a hell of a story. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's sort of the one of the things you can always look back at and you can have a sort of giggle at it. You yeah. know, all of a sudden it becomes, you know, we've got some good stories to talk about while we're sitting around a, a thing. Like when we get to that nursing home stage and we're both sitting there, we're, we're not going to be bitter and twisted about anything. We're going to be laughing at stuff yeah, that we did. Exactly. Been involved in, you know, and to do that, you got to, you got to keep it the grind, even though sometimes the grind's hard. The grind every time it's been hard for me has been worth it in the end. Mm, that's fucking you know? good. So, yeah, that's the yeah. I think that's probably the most the only advice I could ever I could ever give anyone. Be unapologetically you. Yeah. Bomb for me to realize that the only person I needed to be was who I naturally am, and then people come and go and gravitate to you, do whatever. Be unapologetically you and, you know, give yourself the confidence to to do the things you got to do. Give yourself those, you know, the opportunity to be in a spot where that you're going to have those, exactly. those stories. Yeah. Anything that's hard, it'll pass. Just grind. Yeah, that's it. Whatever it is, yep. better the story. 
live your life and it's your path. You decide what you yeah, want to fucking it. do. Exactly. That's it. Sometimes it's going to suck. Sometimes you're going to hate it. Sometimes you're going to love it and think how this is absolutely magical. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to go, I should be loving this and I don't. What's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. It just means you're in the wrong spot. That's it. Try something different. Retest, refire, you'll find it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mate, so we've been chatting for a good fucking two hours and I do ask three questions right at the end of it and you've just answered the first question. It's basically what advice can you give to people, blah, 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 and you've just fucking nailed it in the last 10 minutes. So, I was going to tell you, like, buy low, sell high. (laughs) The Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, you actually do sound like the Wolf of Wall Street on the piss. (laughs) (laughs) i'd read that book my my mate the same mate that says the stories he's just like bro you've got to read this book i'm like well and then yeah so we used to tell stories about it or whatever was happening and then next thing you know there's there's a movie coming out about it we're like oh god oh boy (laughs) (laughs) mate uh second question what is the plans for the future obviously fucking top 88 We'll get that down to, you know, top 10. I mean, yeah. A bit more acting. Oh, yeah. I would generally, I genuinely like to get into the top 10. I mean, um, my first priority, but is without a doubt, uh, my kids. Yeah, of course. Yeah, always. So, like, and I think that's, you know, me me and the the soon-to-be wife, I think the perfect position that we're in is we kind of got out the stuff that we needed to mm. when we're young, you know, yeah, I've, yeah. I've got to live like eight people's lives, you know, and I've, I've just ticked over 40, you know mm. what I mean? So I'm in one of those spots where I can just do, like do the best things that I can to give my kids the best chance to just be them. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. They're going to be perfect the way they are and they both are, you know, yeah. they're awesome. So that's. How old are they? I've got one little girl's four and the boy's one and a half. Oh, yeah, right. Fucking hell. Yeah, good good times both. ahead. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. and that does the thing. Like, there, I don't think there's anything that you do that's as hard as children are, but anything that's more rewarding. Mm. You know, I, of all the cool things I can think of that I've done from, like, then there's a massive list of them, which, you know, would seem like highlights None of them are even close. Mm. Oh, fuck yeah. The stuff, the the family, the missus and kids things, like they're not even, yeah, not even, not even remotely close. Like it's, it's really, really hard to describe how how cool it is. And I mean, this is one thing I'm just, I've made mistakes when I've been in the army. I've made mistakes before I joined the army. I've done that. This is the one thing that, you know, I'm going to make sure that, I done use right. the discipline, yeah. yeah. Use yeah. The, all the discipline that I know it's going to need to do it right. Yeah, you know, kids are awesome. I've got four of them, four that I know of. <laughs> how, how, all right, so how, <laughs> what was the theory when you went for like three? Well, mate, a wise taxi driver once told me, he said, you know, the more kids you have, there's more hands you have around the house. <laughs> Just back in the third battalion days. <laughs> I'm like, mate, fucking fair call. All right. I'm going to have more kids. Yeah, in. yeah, it is. Yeah. Why? And one of them, one of them has to become, you know, one of them has to be a golfer or, you know, one's oh, going to become yeah. rich and look after me down the track. That's, that's, yeah, you, you are increasing your chances. See, increase the chances. That's all it is. I'm, I'm a gambling man. Yeah. So I never looked at it that way. But I was like, I spoke to the missus and we were, when we were talking about after we'd had, 
Ari, he um, had a bit of a complication when he was young. Mm. and But we talked about it and we're just like, people with like three kids need to be psychiatrically assessed. Oh, man. Why would you go through it a third time? Like how would you not have got what was happening the second? I know. And, and you've got four and you've just made a pretty – that's a pretty – Yeah. Well, with the first two, at least the baby bonus was around. So there was $5,000 per child the government used to give us. Yeah. Fucking just brand rolling. new TV, brand new muffled yeah. system for the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. car, the Mrs. Pregnant again. Yeah, fuck, mate. Yeah, I know. Kids, sometimes you just want to – you're like, where's the proceed? I'm going to take this little prick back. Like, I got to yeah, go back yeah. to go oh, back to yeah, the hospital. Times. Yeah, I'm then, about to give you away for free. Yeah, and they can enough. know, and you're just like, there's got to be a Chinese black market. And <laughs> like, seriously, be. you're on your way there. <laughs> yeah. But like, just the fact that they can know as well, they can know when there's a chink in your armor. Oh yeah, yeah. And like, like you were too young to be this intelligent. Yeah, just cracking away. <laughs> yeah. Like, Ah. Yeah, my yeah, my three year old the other day she busted out. She she literally goes, "Where the fuck is this?" I'm like, "No." She was looking for a doll or something. Where the fuck is this? I'm like, "Jesus oh, Christ, that's yeah. my bad, my bad." <laughs> and then you like, but it was funny at the same time. I was like, "Oh, yeah, this is like funny." My wife's like, "Don't laugh." I'm like, "This is too funny." <laughs> <laughs> my daughter was doing it, and it took me a week to actually tell the missus because I thought, "Oh God, I don't," you know, I feel bad about this. Enough. Yeah, but she's just like sitting. We're in the car, I think it was. And she just goes, fuck. Fuck, yeah. Fuck. And I'm like, no, <laughs> nah, no, I look, yeah. no, no. And she's just like, fuck. Fuck, yeah. As soon as she knew, she never says it. Yeah. And the other time, it was like it was part of a game. And yeah. I was like, I was freaking out, just like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. the department of community services is going to be knocking on the door going, you're <laughs> the one that's swearing in school. <laughs> and I'm like, and it's my fault. Like, it's just me for being. Yeah, like, that's one thing about golf. I noticed. I noticed how much like, because in the army, swearing is relatively normal. Yeah, like it's called hit fuck. That's what they call golf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hit like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> and comparing it to like average businessmen or when you play golf <laughs> yeah. with or whatever, sometimes you do it and they're just like you see the eyes. Oh, no. like, you're like. Okay, cool. I'll try and <laughs> I'll try and reel that in, and it lasts for ten minutes. Yeah. Next thing, dumb, fuck, yeah. So, all right, question number three, mate. Three now. Obviously, you're a fucking battle-hardened veteran, uh, mate. You know you're 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 a tough dude. You're you know you've shown resilience. Obviously, tell us something that people don't know about you, like a guilty guilty pleasure type of guy that smears a bit of fucking ice cream over his chest and. Licks it off your, I don't know, your fingers or something, or because you army guys, I don't know, fuck, I'm an army guy, and we've all got something fucking weird. Like, I had Willie beaten cancer on the other week, and he got fucked in the ass in Finland. So, really, <laughs> yeah, he got pegged, I should say. Fucking hell! And he enjoyed oh. it. He enjoyed it. So this is, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he got cancer the same year, and it's, his joke is he got fucked twice in one year. <laughs> 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 Typical army guy. That is the best. Yeah. That is the best. Oh, yeah. So what? One that he didn't enjoy, just a little bit playing. No. He, yeah. <laughs> um. God, my guilty what pleasure. You, like fucking Legos, or yeah, a gamer. No, I love gambling, but I don't. Oh fuck yeah! I, now we're like talking. I love gambling, but that's just being a dude. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
my guilty pleasure up until now has not been telling people the stories that I've told you. Um, yeah, it's been sick now. The fucking a few no, thousand yeah, people yeah, are going to listen to this now. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, God, I can't even think of anything that's like cool. I don't even have a cool one. Like I'll I'll go on a diet and still eat a block of ice cream with milk before I go to sleep. Like they're literally so mundane. Um, yeah, right. Oh, working out which different energy. Something weird. Something weird. Alcohol. I don't know. I'm, I know sometimes, like for me, I scratch my butt too much sometimes and it bleeds. <laughs> <laughs> I have had a bleeding ass before. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Same as Willie. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, buddy. Shout out, buddy. But I don't even. Don't know. No, I can't even think. Um, it's got to be something you, maybe a movie that you religiously watch, like The Notebook, or you cried during oh, The Notebook. Dude, I was, yeah, I know. I was like a wild. When I was first in the army, mine was like, was the Bourne series. Oh, no way. That was it. Like, I could probably recite the words word for word, just about. There you all, go. And I still enjoy them the same way. There you go. Like, yeah, there it is. I'll watch that he's and she's standing right next to you, scene. Yeah. Yeah. But see, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what I'm yeah. like, that's a, right, cool. It makes me feel a bit more normal. Um, <laughs> probably them or Bond one. Yeah, but probably, yeah. Yeah. My guilty pleasure would have to be like my daydream fantasies. Yeah, right. Crap. Like thinking that. you're fucking Jason Bourne and. Yeah, or your James Bond or your Ocean's Eleven or whatever it is that's <laughs> happening. Like I literally, because I get distracted so easily, yeah. no matter what I'm doing, creating a story arc about something cool happening that's so far detached from reality that it's yeah, stupid. Right. Fuck, you might have to write some more yeah, books then. Well, was, yeah, well, I've yeah. had to, because it's always been a battle and I found like most of the things that I used to battle ADD with were not, helpful or healthy yeah you know what i mean yeah. like they're typically things that dumb you down but that's also something i can't handle mm. like i noticed really difficult when i got when i first got hit not having a proper like a memory work well mm. bothered me because i was my photographic up until the stage of 25 yeah yeah everything and then you can't remember important shit like people's names who you've known for a long time when you're introducing them to someone. It's like you're like stone talking to people that yeah. like that for like years and years. And it took a long time to rebuild it. The weird thing was because of being as the rate that my brain used to work at, it was like I hated it. Mm. I just hated the fact I had to sit in a room when not enough was happening and no one was thinking at the same sort of level and or like in the same way that I was. Then when it happened, I was so frustrated because I was like, I've literally wished for this forever. It's happening and I hate it. Yeah. I can't remember anything. I feel dumb. It was, yeah, really, really weird. Yeah, right. Really odd one. But, yeah, that's probably mine is just daydreams of stuff like yeah. that. Randomly, the missus will just go, fuck. <laughs> I came out of the bathroom yesterday and it's in the middle of a completely fictitious blow up with someone. 
that it started. And I didn't even realize. Mate, this is called schizophrenia. Yes, it was literally it was like that. And I literally was doing But I didn't think I was doing it out loud. Yeah. I passed like my boy's door and I look and there she is. And she looks at me and goes, and we both had this moment of going, what? What, what, what was just happening? <laughs> and she's like looked and gone, what were you doing? And I, I thought, oh, I've got to just be straight up. And like, oh, I, was, I was imagining an argument. I was having with this and doing that and blah, blah, blah. And I was just, you know, I thought I had time until I got out of the living room. So I was just sort of, I didn't realize. Playing it out. Out loud. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably it. I don't know. I, I always ask that. I ask the, the psychiatrist to always go in, which is a really weird thing, right? Mm. I've been going to the same guy, and this will explain how bad my memory was when I first got hit, right? I did a session with him, and when I – we'd done the full hour when mm. I was explaining what I was feeling like and all of these different bits and whatever complications were happening at that time, and this is like our introductory session. He looked at me square in the face and goes, you, you don't remember me, do you? And it like that had happened a fair bit. Like I'd tell the same story twice. You know what I mean? Like in the same night, the half an hour apart. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that yeah, yeah. type of thing. It was it was bad. And then I said, no, he was the psychiatrist that they got on Canimbla to make sure oh, that shit. everyone was like on plane yeah, yeah, yeah. after the shovel went in. And because he wouldn't give me anything that I could sleep with, I was like, I can't sleep. Can you? Is there a sedative? And he goes, we can't give you a sedative. You're on like two hours notice to move. So I, I said, oh, you're fucking useless, aren't you? Like I kind of gave him that one. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, he's told me to fuck off and called me useless on the on the canimbla. And I'm like, well, that sounds a lot like me. That definitely does. <laughs> like you've literally said that's what I sound like. I'm that guy. But um, no, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, right. And no idea. And I always walk in there and I've got a different thing. I'm like, this, all right, I was doing this. Does that mean that I'm this or am I am I bipolar or whatever? He goes, Look, mate, just you leave diagnosis to me and then <laughs> you just come and tell the stories. I'll do the book stuff and then we'll we'll work it out from there. And it's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's I don't know, maybe I am. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> So they're like, why do you cope so well? I mean, ah, I've just been mentally ill for, you know, what, 40 it's, odd years. Yeah. It's just what it is. Yeah. There's me and the 300 <laughs> other people that live with me in my bone. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> we just argue yeah, every day. We're all, we're all left together. There's, you know, there's the happy one. There's, you know, the, the, the seven dwarfs, just all in one person. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right, mate. Well, fuck, mate. It's been an absolute fucking pleasure. Get your story and... Yeah, fuck shit. Share it with our listeners, man, because we've got a diverse listener base that reaches even Iran and we've got listeners in Russia, which is getting a bit weird. Probably the KGB or something. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And obviously, yeah, Wokai probably listens as well. So, <laughs> I presented the other day, and that's like, it's such a contentious thing. Yeah, it? it is. It's it's a bit general. Yeah. I couldn't bring myself like Angus Houston. I, I mate went out of my way to say good day again because he was cool. Why well, you know sometimes you avoid something because you're not quite sure what'll happen. Yeah. I had to do that. 
I like, and I was presenting. I was the MC of the night. Yeah, right. The, the PM and stuff like that. And it was like I couldn't bring myself during the break to say anything because, like, I just can't. Yeah, can't say. We no. sat in groups, like focus groups, to go, how can we not repeat, you know, what happened to our Vietnam diggers, you know? Yeah. A lot of the stuff they got. And that was one of them, control at least part of the narrative in the media. Let's not control it so much, but, like, let's try and keep what needs to be where it is where it is. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, and I'm innocent until proven guilty type shit. And he comes out with that and I'm like. Yeah. Are you serious? What are you doing? Yeah. I saw, I saw Ken Gillespie down in um, Kalara's playing on a charity golf day. And I said, I remember sitting with you in a room talking about this. What happened? <laughs> and all he could do was like just put his hands up and just shake his head. Fucking yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, on behalf of everyone, you're a fuckwit walkaway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Anyway, <laughs> I'm just a dumb dig. Who cares? <laughs> mate, uh, again, thank you for your fucking time, mate. It's been just crazy. Absolutely cool story. Obviously, we bumped shoulders 15, what's 2022? Yeah, 15 plus years ago now. Yeah. Uh, back a back long time ago in Dalesworthy. Good old place. <laughs> we probably both got asbestos fucking poisons as well. <laughs> Mate, fuck, let's catch up one day for sure. You're only down the fucking coast. Fuck, I've got the young kids as well, so we can have a, have a play date. And yeah, yeah mate, yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah. Yeah, legend, brother. Thanks for your time. Thanks, man. See ya. Wait, wait, wait. Now, quickly, just before you go, I want to tell you about Three Zeros Coffee. Now, as you know, I like my coffee how I like my men, long and black. <laughs> However... Lately, I've moved into the cold brews. I'm loving it, obviously, because the weather here in Australia at the moment is quite hot. So what I've been doing is using the seasoned campaigner pour-over filter bags. Literally rip open the packet, put the filter bag over my coffee mug, a few ice cubes, pour in some hot water, let it cool down, add a sugar or two just to make it sweet, and I fucking love them. Honestly, you get the kick that you need out of the caffeine, and the taste is great. So if you want to get yourself a supply of coffee, head over to 30scoffee.com.au. From there, you can choose whatever you want. You've got the beans, you've got the pour-over filter bags, got some merchandise. And just to let you know that a percentage of their sales is forwarded to organizations that support first responders. So while you're getting your coffee, you're doing a good deed by getting some of this money to the first responders and where it needs to go. While you're there, don't forget to use the discount code 3ZLIMITS. Now look in our bio, you see that discount code, use it get your discounts. So again, jump onto 30scoffee.com.au and grab yourself a supply.